Cats are wonderful. <laughs> are, are they, though? They're wonderful. I mean, dogs are pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Although, generally, I guess cats don't pee the rug when they're so excited they see you, so... <laughs> and, and they don't tend to bark loudly. I view that as a positive for dogs, though. Like, because it's not my house. <laughs> as I say, it's not your rug. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warhammer 40k podcast that wants to welcome you all to our inner circle. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And uh, if you hadn't guessed, or maybe you weren't aware of the inner circle, uh, this is going to be our episode where we look at Codex Supplement Dark Angels. Uh, so uh, we will be talking about the boys in green, bo- bone and black later in the episode. But first, as always, news, new releases and your listener mail and uh, news and new releases wise. It's been relatively light. We actually I don't think there were any pre-orders that went up yesterday. We're recording on Sunday and I think this Saturday nothing went up, strangely enough. Yeah, they're still in that two-week release cycle window due to COVID, so I, I don't expect anything new coming out this week. And if it goes like normal, we normally get announcements happening on Sunday recently, so we'll probably get something while we're recording. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> is like, we'll probably get something when we're in the second half of the show, as, as we often do. Uh, although I did find it interesting, so the last week, the uh, all the Dark Angel stuff went up for pre-order and came out yesterday, and... Uh, it's all gone. Everything. <laughs> like, I Dark Angels Dark Angels Codex is out of stock. The new uh, Psychomancer for Necrons is out of stock. Bladeguard Vets, out of stock. Eradicators, out of stock. The new Stormspeeder, out of stock. The Dark Angels Combat Patrol is out of stock. Did you want to play Dark Angels or get any of the new stuff? Too bad. It sold out super fast. The data cards are out of stock. Also, a lot of the Death Guard stuff is still out of stock as well. Uh, the uh, like, including the new Lord of Virulence, which I ordered and still haven't received yet because I think I got it in too late. Oh, so I- I'm sure they'll get to all that stuff, uh, you know, get it all out eventually. But yeah, it's just COVID's. I'm sure hitting their warehouse really hard right now in their production facilities. Yeah, so they're they're releasing what they can but uh in in what amounts they can but so if it if you don't have it yet it will become available later they'll get reprints and and recasts out there but uh i was lucky i technically a teaser for hobby progress but i'll put it out here now i was able to get a box of blade guard vets because it's a stupidly good unit and mm-hmm. my blood angels would love them and then and the the models they have with like the the storm shields slung on the back are just fantastic. So I'm excited to to paint these up in red and have them charging along. But uh, but that's out uh, and out of stock. Let's see what else. The they continue to update the Warhammer 40k app, which is great. Again, they're showing uh, a dedication to supporting this. And there were a couple of features that I thought were particularly interesting. 
Um, one is custom sub-factions, which is something they have not supported up until now. So if you've been wanting to make your own chapter or craft world or legion, well, they have the uh, support for that in here now. And then there was another one that I found interesting, and it's not a full feature yet, but they're they're putting the groundwork in for it. They say the foundation for future crusade campaign and narrative game support coming soon, which is is interesting because up until now the app has been a matched play tool only. And that's how mo- like most people were expecting to use it. Yeah. But the idea of supporting like requisition points and uh, like battle honors and experience, you know, or your units earning experience is that's awesome and would make tracking a crusade army that much easier. Okay, I like the idea, but in practice they're going to have to fix the savior list slash data on the device or something ahead of time because right now all of my lists still go away. So if your Crusade mm-hmm. Army, you input it and it all goes away, it, that's kind of rough. That's a huge issue. <laughs> and it, it's it's something that like even from a match play level, it's frustrating because you can be tr- you know you can have your list and like what if <laughs> I keep my list in the app and I go into a tournament? Oh look, they released like the the day before they release an update to the app. Oh my list is gone. I have to rebuild it now. Well, that's I email my list to myself when I'm done with it. Part one and part two. Um, if they're using, um, I just I haven't used it. Best Coast pairings. You have to upload your list there. So yeah. as long as you get your list uploaded there, it's still there. Yeah. Now. There's a couple of things I think they could do about it. One would be to just have a way to to like save your save your lists either to the cloud or in some format. Like if you could just have it e- like, well, you know, you can email it to yourself. But if you could re-import it back into the app, that would be ideal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I would be fine if they if from time to time they have to like reset their data. If you could re-import it, and that's like one feature that like Battlescribe is not perfect either. And anytime there's like a major update to the data files, like half your army lists will they'll load, but you'll miss like like options will start disappearing. And so you'll have to rebuild it, but at least the basic framework of the list is there. And I wish they would do that with Battleforge, where it's like, okay, so we changed some stuff. Like, just trash the the pieces, or at least have the list entry there so I don't have to completely rebuild it from scratch. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they still haven't fixed that for the uh, Age of Sigmar app, so I, I don't want to hold my breath that that's going to get fixed right away. Let's see, what else? Uh, there was, I don't think this was announced on Warhammer Community. They did announce it eventually on their Facebook page, and the folks over at Goonhammer spotted it. Uh, there was a stealth update of the uh, Munitorium Field Manual, i.e. all the points for everything, as well as a power rating update. Uh, from what's been determined, because they didn't, unlike other FAQs where they mark what's new in like magenta or light blue, uh, they did not mark what changed <laughs> in this document. But instead, uh, like people have gone through it, and most of the changes, it, it's not a huge list of changes. Uh, mostly, it's removing options from the list that weren't legal anyway. Like, Deptosaurus Dominions 
can't take multi-melters, so you don't need to list a multi-melter option for them in the points because it doesn't match their data sheets. You know, stuff like that. There were a couple of things, like, we talked it went, in a previous episode, like, building a, a custodes list, and it's like, oh, you've got points to, like, slot in a, a Vexillus Praetor because they're only 85 points. They've been updated to 105 points, and the ones in Terminator armor went up to 115. So uh, that's more that's a point correction rather than, you know, uh, you know an an issue with uh, values changing or, you know, issues with options changing, but that, that's one where that was actually an error. Uh, and then otherwise stuff like, Oh yeah, Tau empire. We made all the add on drones have plus costs instead of flat costs just for clarity's sake. Yeah. You know, things again, things like that. Uh, although one change that did happen is Drukari were apparently stupid cheap at one point and they're, they raised them back up to, uh, 20 because apparently apparently they had bikes they had reaver bikes at 10 oh i'd take that yeah i'm sure you would but uh no they're they're 20 now so that 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 was uh that was an error not a balance thing um but uh but yeah so just like double check if you you know double check all your points uh and again hopefully like battle scribe files are probably going to updated with this the app has been uh, or will be updated if you like i don't think the ios update is out yet for dark angel stuff but uh, those will be updated so just double check your work there and make sure everything's copacetic uh, and then finally we don't normally talk about these that much uh but they did make an announcement that uh, about three new boxed games arriving in 2021. And if you're not familiar with uh, the their boxed game line, this is not boxed in the sense of like Warcry is a boxed game or Necromunda is a boxed game where it's like a specialist game. These are games that are aimed at non-GW customers, like, you know, aimed at people who are getting into board games and kind of as a stepping stone into other games workshop products or at least that's what they're hoping and they've up until now these these games are are mostly been really stateside at uh, barnes and noble they've had kind of an exclusive deal with barnes and noble to distribute them in the united states which uh and i don't i think they've got a distributor in germany for the european continent apparently in the uk these are actually very difficult to get because you have to order it either from germany or the u.s like i'm not <laughs> uh but but, like, in the past, they've taken models from uh, other games. Like, for example, they had did one called Combat Arena that took, I think, the heroes from Blackstone Fortress Escalation and then basically put them into kind of a battle royale in the ring type situation. There's been Space Marine Adventures games where they put in old Space Marine models in different colors of plastic and, like, the first one was against Necrons, and the second one, uh, I think, uses Terminators and it's against Orcs. But, like, in those cases, like, all the alien models are represented just by tokens. So you only get, like, five models in there. But at the same time, they've also done some games like Blitz Bowl, which is, like, their streamlined version of Blood Bowl, which has actually proven to be very popular and has always gotten glowing reviews from everyone who's looked at it because they find, like, it streamlines and the game and they give you a lot of stuff to play with blood bowl stuff beyond what's in the in the box but they've announced three new ones for 2021 uh the first one is an age of sigmar one i won't dwell too much on it other than it does include one of the brand new warhammer underworlds war bands like the one that just came out this week 
And it looks to be basically a cross between Underworlds and Warcry. And in fact, everything is branded in the fonts and colors and styles. And the cards look to be the stat cards from Warcry. So it's like this is their intro to Warcry, which itself is like an intro to Age of Sigmar. But if we move to 40k, they've done two boxes for that. One is Space Marine Adventures Doomsday Countdown, where it's three intercessors against uh, chaos cultists in a hive city. It's all done with like various shapes of hex pieces looking very much like Blackstone Fortress. And I, th- I think it's meant to play kind of like Blackstone Fortress, which is a f- really fun game. And it's, you know, it's a one to three player co-op game because each of you is controlling a uh, an intercessor. But instead of having cardboard tokens, they're actually using the cultists from Blackstone Fortress Escalation. So this is kind of a uh, Warhammer Quest intro, like 40k intro box. Which will appeal to a different kind of wargamer than somebody who wants, like, than, like, the uh, Bladeborne box. Because, like, this, again, this is a co-op game, so this is going to be a little bit more like a Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion type thing, where you're you're playing through and all working together to survive various missions. And the, the Chaos Cultists from that box are fantastic. They look so much better than the old Pushfit ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so that that's a cool way. It looks like there's seven of the cultists included. And like I said, three intercessors. So it's not a ton of models, but that also means this will be a relatively cheap box. Uh, so uh, because I mentioned Barnes & Noble, uh, the latest Space Marine Adventures game, the one with Terminators and Orcs, I've actually seen at Target. So there's a non-zero chance this box could end up at Target. And Target, like I mentioned, Gloomhaven, Jaws of the Lion, Target is carrying games like that now. So, like, this is something you'll see, like, this could actually be something that appeals to, like, casual and not-so-casual board gamers. So this is an interesting uh, intro product. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is Warhammer 40k Fireteam, which is basically the kill team equivalent of that uh, war cry box we talked about above where it's a, like everything is done in the orange and black of kill team and you get a heck, like a, a hex board with, you know, with looks like there are probably spaces marked for like breaking line of sight and such, but you get five assault intercessors and uh, 10 Necron warriors and three bases of scarabs. So again, going off of that uh, Indomitus kind of feel and consistent with the other starter products that they've had for 9th edition, but done for like a stripped down streamlined version of Kill Team. And what I find interesting about this one is that you're effectively getting two Kill Teams in this box. (laughs) Like this is going to be right up there with like what you'll get in Pariah Nexus just without like the commander car or the commander models that will be included. And again, it's not full kill team, but it's a really interesting intro product for kill team and could easily be a stepping stone into that. And the other thing I think is appealing about these as starter products is the time that's going to take these games. Cause I'm looking at the boxes cause they, you know, they've put the full box art on the community page uh, the first two, they're ex- expecting 30 minutes to play for a session and 45 minutes for the uh, for Fire Team. So these are games like, I mean, Kill Team's already not a long game. 
it's usually playable in just you know like an hour or just over. This will be even more streamlined than that, but that's the kind of thing you want when you want somebody to like to introduce them to like the universe and the gameplays. You want something that you could easily play over a lunch break or just like in a little bit of an evening and maybe get two or three games in. Well, they even mentioned in the article that the time it takes is about as long as it takes for your null null to dry on a model. So <laughs> that's only no, that's only like fifteen minutes. <laughs> Wow. But like they, they kind of cheekily mentioned that in the article that like you could basically get this in like in between like painting and stuff. So I think that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Well, and, and something we were talking about before recording is when, when I mentioned these is that I'm assuming these are going to be priced comparatively with other uh, their other boxed game products. So there are uh, other games such as Combat Arena, which I had mentioned, it's the one that has the uh, heroes from, from Blackstone Fortress Escalation. It's $40. They had uh, Dreadfane, which is like a stripped-down version of Underworlds. That's $50. Um, Blitz Bowl which is $50. Uh, Space Marine Adventures, the first one was $40. The second one was $45. If they can keep these in that $50 even if they went up to 60 which is the cost of a video game, the, these are products at that price point where these can be impulse purchases. And that's something we've talked about when talking about like the new combat patrols and such, that they're not products that you can just... They're at a price point where like just buying one because the whim catches you is not something that people are likely to do. But, I mean, uh, uh, especially like the kill, current Kill Team starter set, which comes with a bunch of terrain and let's see how many models does it come with or fit yeah 16 models is $160 yeah i mean that that's not a casual purchase well and i think half of that like you noted before is the terrain and the all the other ones you mentioned there's no terrain and there's very few models right but i mean still the so the uh the the fire team one is still fit uh, is actually 18 models because it's 10 Necron warriors, three scarabs and five assault intercessors. So, I mean, I I'm curious to see what their price point is going to be for this because I mean, is, are they going to base it off the number of models or are they going to base it off the fact that, uh, let's see, that's the same content as the recruit edition of 40 K has, let's see, I think those, those same models minus the two characters, the Royal Warden and the Primaris Lieutenant. And that's, you know, doesn't have any terrain other than the box that you put it in as a building that you can put down. And that's $50. So there's no reason why Fireteam should cost more than that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I could actually see it coming in at, like, 40 yeah, and I think you're right. Like it's that—that's that impulse purchase level where you see it on the shelf at a Barnes and Noble or a Target, and you could pick it up and not feel like, you know, if you're interested in it, you could pick it up without like having to do a lot of extra research and stuff like that. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. a good product. Yeah, and then at that point, I imagine they'll they'll put in something like, "Hey, if you liked this and you want to play something more complex." buy the kill team rule book because you already have the dice and models that you need. Mhm. So, I'm I'm really curious to see like how these pan out and I hope they're they're put in more stores than just Barnes and Noble, especially because like our local 
like the Barnes and Noble closest to my house has uh, closed last week, or actually closed yesterday. Closed yesterday uh, because uh, they're actually they they couldn't agree on a lease issue, so it wasn't like they went out of business. It's just like they decided to pull out of that store because of the lease issue. So, and to be honest, I don't even know where the closest Barnes and Noble to me is, so it must not be that close. Yeah, and you can like order all these off of Barnes and Noble's website. I mean, obviously, I was looking up the prices and Barnes and Noble. Okay, so Barnes and Noble does not list the uh, Space Marine Adventures games as exclusives, but they do also have exclusive add-on packs for them, which I think is interesting, including a uh, like with you know. So they have packs with additional Space Marine models, and then a paint set also. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and uh, it looks like it's thirteen, twelve. Yeah, it looks like they're full size pots for thirty five bucks. So yeah, I mean that's and like it, all the basic colors. So like Rackarth flesh, Mornfang brown, Bugman's glow, uh, White scar, Mephiston red, Averland yellow or Averland sunset, uh, Death world forest, McCrag blue. Balthazar Gold, uh, the Fang, yeah, because the box includes like one Space Marine from like Imperial Fists and Blood Angels and mm-hmm. Dark Angels and Space Wolves and stuff, and then like Lead Belcher, Abaddon Black, and uh, Agrax Earthshade. So, I mean, now they don't give you a primer, so I don't know how well those paints are going to stick to the models, and may people may not be aware of that. But again, like they sell these products at like bookstores. So, I mean, it seems like, and apparently they're doing well enough with sales that people are buying them. Because I do, like, back when we still went to bookstores regularly, I did see them disappearing off shelves. Well, and then the fact that they're doing more, like, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be coming out with new box sets if they weren't selling. Yeah. So, this is also a great way, like, if you... Like, because these are also going to be kind of pared down, slightly streamlined versions of those games, uh, this is a really good way. Like, let's say you've got kids who are interested in playing, or if you are, like, when, like, in-person school becomes a thing that is uh, more safe and regular. Like, if you're starting, you know, they've talked about, like, having Warhammer clubs at schools. Like, these would be great products for a teacher to bring in and be able to Mm -hmm. have games going on. And again, like intro products, this is the kind of thing, you know, and, and the recruit edition of 40 K is along these lines and that same price point, but you can't buy the recruit edition anywhere, but from games workshop the, you know, having something like this in a standard big box store is, would be a huge win for the, you know, for the entire property and for the company and for the fan base. So I really hope these are successful and that they are in more stores than just Barnes and Noble. Yeah. And I think that's about it. Like, like I said, there had like, like you said, Kevin, with the the two week schedule. Oh, there was one other thing revealed, and it's not technically forty k, but it looks badass. And that's Total War Warhammer three. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> Freaking yeah, Chaos Warriors on Juggernauts, Kislevites. Yeah, it looks awesome. Big old bloodthirster <laughs> facing off against an uh, ice witch. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. if you if you need your old world fix, this is the, the way to get it. And also something that they haven't had in the game, like in Warhammer Fantasy, in a long, long, long time. Cathay. Yeah. Like, we're actually going to get the uh, the Asian-inspired armies playable in digital format. And I was wondering if this is going to tie into the return to the old world that they've been kind of teasing for the last year or so. Because one of the factions they, they had previewed there were Kislevites. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to be playable. So, like, this could be a way to uh, build up hype for getting people excited for Warhammer the Old World. So, I hope so, because there's a lot of yeah. new there's a lot of interesting things that weren't covered very well in the old Warhammer fantasy game. So this could be an opportunity to reintroduce and like get new models and get updates for those factions, which would be really cool. Right. And I'm also curious if this is going to do what they did with Warhammer like Total War Warhammer 1 and 2 where you could basically combine them to play one giant campaign. Can you combine three to make one gianter campaign? Right. That's what I've heard rumored. I would imagine they would want to. Yeah, because it sounds like this is going to go north and east of what was covered in the other one because the other one was like this typical old world focused around... You know, the Empire and, like, Bretonia and such, and, like, you know, Sylvania. And then this Warhammer 2 was Ulthuan and Nagaroth and, like, you know, the the lands to, you know, to the far west across the sea. So if this is the stuff to the north, you know, with Kislevites and the east with Cathay, the, the map for this could be gigantic. But it's also interesting if they'll, like, I imagine it'll be in an updated engine, which... I'm guessing it would have, it would be more that it would bring in stuff from one and two rather than be play it like you wouldn't start up a game of one with three included be the other way around. But either way, it looks badass. I had a lot of fun playing through Total War Warhammer two as high elves, so I imagine this will be a blast. But again, not 40k, but still just the the intro trailer like the trailer is is worth the watch just to see like like you said juggernauts and bloodthirsters and uh bloodletters so yeah uh, it's pretty epic <laughs> yeah uh but anyway that's going to take us over to listener mail if you have a letter you would like read on the air we'll tell you how at the end of the segment uh we only have one letter today uh and it is from Stephen Brown and Stephen writes Hey, I really enjoyed the podcast, especially as a new player, which is awesome because that is definitely one of our our audiences that we try to cultivate is new players, which is also why I'm so excited about the box games. Anyway, continuing. Uh, My 10-year-old son and I dipped into 40K back in the summer. He went Craft World, which I think is awesome. I decided on Dark Angels. We've been building our armies and slowly learning to play together. I have a friend whose son is the same age as mine, so we get together and play at times. It's tough to feel things out as a new player with limited play options. Uh, Nonetheless, as luck would have it, Dark Angels seem to be getting some great new rules and such. I purchased a Deathwing Command Squad kit before Christmas, so I have yet to build and paint it. The squad will be fielded with the Start Collecting Vanguard Space Marine box set, 10 Hellblasters, the 5 Assault Intercessors, plus Lieutenant from the Recruit Box, and a Space Marine Librarian. The Deathwing Command Squad kit has tons of options. Deathwing Knights, Command Squad with an Apothecary and Champion, and a Deathwing Terminator Squad as well as a Watcher in the Dark. 
My question is, what would be the best build-out for this kit with the rest of my army so far? I only play it on casual and fun narrative-style games, no competition. I would love to to get the most out of these five Terminator models. I'm experimenting with magnetizing pieces, but there's no guarantee I'll make that work. At any rate, thanks in advance, and I really appreciate the content you're providing. Happy hobbling, Stephen. And yes, he said hobbling, not hobbying. So <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. Uh, so this one's kind of, it, it's very topical because we are going to be talking about Dark Angels in the second part of the show. But I don't know if I necessarily want to, like, so, like, dish, like, deep answers yet until we talk about the Codex. However, I will say this much. With only one box of Terminators, I don't think I would go Deathwing Knights or Command Squad because those are going to work mm-hmm. better if you're going, like, terminator heavy like like building an entire deathwing detachment and if you're just splashing it in i think running them as normal terminators is just fine yeah uh i love that box because it has like all of the bits and bobbles and like great you know uh uh you know the wings that go on the back of the terminators and like the the robes and stuff so what I would recommend is since you're doing this more casually and narratively, like go nuts with how you build, like build a regular Terminator with like the Darth, the Deathwing Knight robes. If you think that looks cool. Um, and then just kit them out with the weapons that you think look good, you know, look good or the weapons that you want to try. Um, like they've got a plasma cannon. They've got, you know, uh, you know, some of these other options in there that, that are very unique to Dark Angel, uh, Terminator. So. Yeah, I would say just kind of go with what you think looks cool, and if you wind up having an you know a, a weapon option that isn't like ideal or doesn't necessarily work exactly for it, since you're playing casually, you can just be like, hey, this guy with I made this guy with the mace because I really like the mace, but like for this game, can I just say it's a you know power sword or something? Yeah, and I mean the Deathwing Terminator squad itself has a lot of weapon options, so mm-hmm. yeah, I don't. I would not, especially if you're not playing competitive, um, and you know what kind of what you're playing against narrative, like if you're just doing narrative, yeah, just have fun with it. Build the stuff you want. Make it look cool. Um, and, you know, like I said, you know, if you want to really, like, dig into Terminators later, you'll be getting more Terminators. And that's the point where, like, you can take what you've built so far and then kind of, like, move those around to other squads as you focus a bit more, like, Oh, I build a couple of close combat guys. Well, maybe I'll throw them into a uh, a more assault focused Terminator squad because that's one of the differences with Deathwing Terminator squads is unlike other Terminator squads like Space Marine Terminator squads. There's like the assault squad and the range squad, so they're they're far more focused. Deathwing allows you to mix and match more. I, I don't know what you mean. Other Chaos Terminators are allowed to do that. Ah. ah! Ah, it's an it's an it's an old joke, but it still it still checks out. <laughs> I, I don't know if that was a slight dig against my Space Wolf Terminators, who can also wear whatever they want. Ah, nobody likes Space Wolf Terminators. <laughs> Space Wolves are all mutants anyway. Yeah, Grey Knights wear sisters as hats. I don't trust them. That seems right. like a corn thing to do. All right. <laughs> I mean, no, no, seriously, Stephen. Just yeah, build them out as you want, mix and match. Uh, 
I don't know if there's a, a a best build out of the list, especially because it is just the one squad. Uh, and most of what else you've got, like the things that are really going to be getting you some work done, um, the Hellblasters, especially for Dark Angels, are going to be really good. Uh, Solid Intercessors are fine. The Librarian will get you a lot of work done, especially with Interomancy, as we'll get into. Um, but yeah, I'd, I would just make them as you know, make them as a Terminator squad if you're trying to get the most options. If you think Deathwing Knights look cool with their Storm Shields and Maces and Flails, by all means, build them that way. You know, just. I, but I, the one I wouldn't do as a command squad because you kind of like the command squad works best with Deathwing characters, and unless you're going to buy a second box to make a character and then more Deathwing stuff, I would I would just splash them in as as Terminators or or Knights, one of the two. And if you have a letter you would like us to read on the air or a list you'd like us to look at or questions, rules, like rules, questions, your opinion, etc., uh, there are three good ways to do that. First is uh, to email us. Our email addresses are ourfirstname at preferredenemies.com. So Rob at Kevin at Dennis at Richard at preferredenemies.com. Second is Facebook. We are at facebook.com slash preferredenemies. Uh, you can like us there, follow us, and see when new episodes are coming out and anything else we find interesting. Third is Twitter. We are at twitter.com slash preferred enemy, singular. And we take questions from all three of those uh, sources, put them together, throw them in the hopper, and read them on the air. Uh, as of right now, the hopper is empty, so if you want to get a letter on next episode, now is the perfect time. Also, in April, our 10-year uh, anniversary episode is coming up, so if you want something special to be read on the air then, or even an audio clip that you would like us to cut into the show, uh, we'd be glad to take it. Uh, you can probably best way to get those is probably to email us those, uh, but yeah, we are looking forward to doing something special then, so we would love to have you all as a part of it. Also, if you want to help support the show, well, first off, right now, uh, if you want to help support people in your area, either by donating to food banks or rent funds or help people who are unemployed, uh, donate to any, any sort of charity service in your area, we'd far prefer that you do that. But if after doing that, you still want to help support the show, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash preferred enemies. Uh, it's basically just an online tip jar. And uh, we don't lock any of our episodes behind a paywall, although I have been flirting with the possibility, although we'd have to actively moderate it, which is more time and effort, uh, but uh, possibly doing a, a patrons-only Discord. So uh, don't quote me on that, uh, but it is something I have contemplated. So if there's interest in that, let us know. And we will make that a thing that is available to our our patrons. Um, and again, uh, even if it's it is just a tip jar. So even if you only want to do a dollar a month, enough people put in a dollar, it adds up, and it and it, it helps keep our recording systems going. Helps us replace mics that uh, get wonky, and eventually will allow us to travel again uh, once that is a thing we can do safely. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our sponsors. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about Codex Supplement Dark Angels. See you in a bit. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Care Multicase comes in. 
They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the Battle Mats from Game Mat. They're professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a Game Mat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back, and that means it's time for our main topic, which is digging into Codex Supplement Dark Angels. Once again, we ha- we have a codex where th- all the main rules have been rolled into Codex Space Marines, as per Kevin's request, and uh, all the specialist stuff is in its <laughs> own little book that's an add-on. Aren't you happy, Kevin? I actually am, because this means this book is cheaper and only has the stuff that's relevant in it, so yeah, I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, if you're not familiar with the Dark Angels, they are a founding chapter. In fact, they are Legion 1. They're the first Legion of uh, Space Marines. And during the Horus Heresy, they had a little bit of a schism because they, like, well, like every chap, every Legion that fell to chaos had a few loyalists that stuck around and still serve the Imperium, and a lot of them got killed, but a few of them survived and, like, they helped form the Inquisition and, and such, and that's been established in, like, Horse Heresy literature. The Dark Angels kind of went 50-50 because uh, you had Lionel Johnson, who was their Primarch, and he was off crusading at, at like a good Primarch does, and he left his second-in-command, Luther, in charge of Caliban, their homeworld. And he took about half the half the Dark Angels with him. And apparently while on Caliban, Luther started getting whispered at by the forces of chaos. And he pretty much decided to go ahead and rebel against the Imperium, which drew Luther or which drew Lionel Johnson back. And uh there was a big fight, and uh things went down. Including the planet, <laughs> because yeah. Caliban doesn't exist anymore and has been reduced I mean, to a. 
kind of fragments but... of it do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a large chunk of it which is referred to as the Rock, and that is now the home of the Dark Angels. But in the fight, Luther was beaten and captured. Uh, and it may not have been half the Dark Angels, but a, a good chunk of them did did basically turn against the Empire. Luther was beaten and captured. Lionel Johnson was slain, asterisk, <laughs> and uh, we'll be getting to that later. Uh, and so the Dark Angels are a faction that have – they didn't tell anybody else about what happened on Caliban. They just said, oh, the forces of chaos attacked us and almost destroyed our planet, but we survived. They didn't tell everybody about the forces of chaos that attacked them were other Dark Angels. And so they have they have a a shameful secret trademark. The, the, the first the first rule of inner circle is you don't talk about inner circle. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so the whole thing with the the dark angels is that yes, they are still loyal to the Imperium. All jokes about dark angels actually being chaos marines aside. Uh, we, 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 hey, we got it out of the way in the, in the first part of the show with your Terminator crack. So we're just gonna, uh, just if you see this joke that has been driven into the ground so many times, it's coming out the other side of the planet. Uh, that's where it comes from. But the good thing is, it's a small planet, so it's not that far to hammer it on it. Anyway, <laughs> and so. <laughs> and so the Dark Angels have have been dedicated secondly to the Imperium and primarily to ca taking care of that whole shameful secret issue because right. those 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 uh, Dark Angels that got away, they refer to as the Fallen and their primary focus is hunting down the Fallen and cleansing them from the universe to the point where. Yeah, sure. The, the High Lords of Terra tell the Dark Angels to go somewhere. Yeah, they'll go there because they're loyal servants of the Imperium. But if they get word that there's a, there might be a single fallen, one, one fallen Dark Angel on a nearby planet or system, they'll like in the middle of a battle veer off and leave <laughs> because that's what their main yeah. focus is, <laughs> which has gotten the attention of the Imperium of the Inquisition a number of times, but nothing has stuck so far. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, they, they can't find any signs of heresy, but the Dark Angels seem to g get distracted very easily. Also, what's made this even more difficult was during the whole uh, Wrath of Magnus storyline back in 7th edition, uh, the uh, forces of Zinch, because they were busy screwing with the Space Wolves at the time, and the Dark Angels got brought in to help help the Space Wolves, which is its own thing that we could spend a lot of time covering as well. But they have their own little rivalry. Um, the Changeling decided to cause more chaos by breaking into the rock and freeing Luther, who was still alive 10,000 years later and had basically mm -hmm. been pretty much gone mad but the like the mas like the grandmaster of the dark angels would occasionally go visit luther who would just sit there and like babble 
potential prophecy. Because, like, Luther's mind kind of got broken by, like, realizing that he had killed Lionel Johnson. But he also still isn't fully on board with the Imperium thing. So the Changeling basically broke into the rock and broke Luther and several fallen out. And they bolted. And so the, the Dark Angels are now focused on bringing Luther back. So they're also doubly distracted. And then you have the whole thing, like, so we talked about, you know, Richard mentioned the inner circle. We're going to go ahead and tell you about the inner circle. We're going to break that first rule. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so, so most dark angels do not know about the fallen. Most of, most of them don't. The, 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 the ones that are in green power armor, the, the rank and file dark angels, they just go where, like, the veterans and the, the captains tell them to go, but they don't, they're just as far as they're concerned they're fighting for the imperium the what would be the first company and the second company in most space marine chapters that are codex compliant have been replaced with the deathwing which is their first company and the ravenwing their second company first company is all terminators and the second company is all bikes land speeders flyers all stuff that moves fast and they have been sworn into a group called the Inner Circle. The Inner Circle know about the Fallen, and their job is to bring them to justice. So the Ravenwing will go out and scout and attempt to locate the Fallen, and then they teleport in the Deathwing, who are there to take them down. And when you get inducted into the Inner Circle, you find out about the true quest of the Dark Angels and the, and, the, and their shameful secret trademark. And... <laughs> I'm just going to keep adding trademark to it because it's like, this should be capitalized and just like, it's, it's such a trope at this point. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's why like they, the Inquisition doesn't quite get what's going on. And again, it's not heresy. If anything, they're trying to cleanse their past. It's just, they're so ashamed of it. They don't want anyone to know. So you have to be sworn in, which means there's also entire successor chapters like, some successor chapters of the Dark Angels have their own inner circles. They've been kind of brought into the fold. They've been told what the parent chapter is all about. Others do not. And they actually address that mechanically in the rule book, which I find is interesting. So what uh, you're saying is green and white are acting sus. Got it. Or black and white. <laughs> black and white. Black and white. Well, green, black, and white. They're, they're all sus at this point. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Better to purge them all and just ask questions later. I mean, you're not wrong, but... (laughs) But also, there's one final secret that not even the uh, Dark Angels themselves are aware of. Because the thing is, Lionel Johnson died, asterisk, but his body was not found. And, you know, and they they assumed that it was lost in the destruction of Caliban. But it turns out, and this is this is in the Codex supplement. It's not a huge spoiler. It's been in the last. It was in the last one too, and I think possibly the one before that. But the final secret of the Dark Angels that not even the Grand Master knows is that hidden somewhere in a deep chamber of the rock. Accessible only by the Watchers in the Dark, which are these like little diminutive Jawa midgets. Uh, that like nobody really knows. They're they're just like a feature of the rock, and they they sometimes show up and help out, but they don't. They're weird. Um, 
attended only by Watchers in the Dark, Lionel Johnson has basically been sleeping this all off. And he is now fully healed and alive, but also still asleep, waiting for the time when he is needed. And then he'll arise kind of King Arthur-ish, because Lionel Johnson was kind of portrayed as a knight. And, you know, this it was like they were on a feudal world. Yeah, Dark Angels really lean into the knight heraldry, like, you know, classic Arthurian knight thing, which is why they have the robes and, like, the the heraldry and stuff a lot more than some of the other chapters. Yeah. It also makes me wonder if the whole Dark Angels versus Space Wolves things is supposed to be like a Britons versus Vikings trope. Probably, yeah. Actually, yeah. now that I think about it. <laughs> <laughs> Because, I mean, how, how British would that be? <laughs> to have, yes. <laughs> to, like, work that into, in, into your sci-fi setting. But, yeah, so that's, that's the, the, the skinny on what, what makes the Dark Angels do what they do and act the way they act and explains why their army is built the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're gonna, we're gonna start off digging actually back into Codex Space Marines because, as I said, like, the core stuff has all been rolled into the main book. So there's a couple things to take note here. First off is the Dark Angels chapter tactic, which is Grim Resolve. Grim Resolve uh, says, Each time a model with this tactic makes an attack, unless that model's unit has moved this turn, excluding pilot and consolidation, add one to the attack roll. Or add one to the attack hit roll. So basically, if you stand still, you are more likely to hit. And then each time a combat attrition test is taken for a unit with this tactic, it is automatically passed. So you might fail morale and lose a guy, but nobody else is going to run. You'll never lose more than one to morale. And you probably won't lose that many to morale. And you won't lose that many morales anyway. But uh, so Dark Angels are used to sticking and staying. And then the other thing to note is that... A, a number of the units in the game, kind of like with uh, Space Wolves, and th- this book is, I would say, is very akin to Space Wolves, where it has a lot of specialist units that kind of replace or go alongside more traditional Codex units, even more so than like Blood Angels. There's a lot of units in here, primarily units like characters in Terminator, or anything in Terminator armor and anything on wheels, or like on two wheels or or a grav platform, picks up a keyword. So the Captain Terminator armor, for example, gets the Deathwing keyword, but not the regular Captain, and not the Captain in Gravis armor, just the Captain Terminator armor. Captain on a bike gets the Ravenwing keyword. Um, and that pretty much, you know, continues, like, except, uh, well, librarians all get the Deathwing keyword, regardless of what armor they're in, even Primaris librarians get death get Deathwing. Um, chaplains in Terminator armor get Deathwing. Bladeguard actually get Deathwing as well. So even though they're not in Terminator armor, uh, Bladeguard ancients and Bladeguard veterans themselves do as well. Ancients in Terminator armor get Deathwing. Uh, company veterans do not, just Bladeguard veterans. Uh, like the Judiciar does not. But Terminators do. Terminator assault squads, Terminator squads, Relic Terminator squads get Deathwing. And then, like, Outriders, ATV, Invader ATVs, Bike Squads, but not Scout Bike Squads, Attack Bike Squads, uh, get the Ravenwing keyword. Land Speeders, like the Storm Speeders and Land Speeders, get the Ravenwing keyword. And that's pretty much it. But those, and those keywords in the Space Marine Codex don't do anything. 
they're just there. So that takes us to Codex Dark Angels. And uh, so we find we find out what those keywords will actually do for us now. So we're going to jump ahead to page uh, page forty, uh, where they talk about successor chapters, and, and the st- successor chapter is pretty much the you know standard thing. You just replace the Dark Angels keyword with whatever the name of your chapter keyword is. But what what chapter? tactic you pick is going to make a huge difference and we're going to get to that in a second uh then we talk about the combat patrol and uh kevin you went ahead and did the numbers on this one yeah i did um so it's interesting this one is the smallest combat patrol model wise that we've seen so far it is a uh primaris chaplain a unit of five intercessors uh, a unit of three inceptors and the uh, Redemptor Dreadnought. So it is only 10 models, but uh, those are beefy 10 models. It winds up coming out to exactly 500 points if you kit it out the way that uh, they're kitted out in the pictures and on the box. Um, you do get a Dark Angels upgrade sprue to like give the sergeant, um, you know, to give everyone shoulder pads, to give the sergeant a, a Dark Angels uh power sword which uh their power swords are really cool looking um it it comes out to about 26 power level 500 points which slots in right above what the death watch one was and right below kind of what the space wolves start collecting is so it's kind of a an interesting like mix like it's a good power level um you do you do wind up with fewer models but one thing that i kind of noticed is Looking at the so far four Space Marine combat patrols we have, you actually wind up with a pretty good cross section to like mix and match if you're wanting to play any Space Marine faction. If you're wanting to start, you know, any, any Space Marine army with Primaris Marines, you know, you've got one with, uh, Primaris Marines and Aggressors, uh, and an Apothecary and a Lieutenant. You've got one that's gives you the tactical, uh, you know, the Invictus Tactical Warsuit, uh, and Reavers. You get one that gives you, uh, a Librarian and, um, uh, uh, what are the sneaky ones? In- Inceptors? No, not Inceptors. Uh, incursors. Uh, infiltr- incursors. Incursors or infiltrators. infiltrators. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Infiltrators. Yeah, well, it's both of them. Cursors and infiltrators are the the same kit, so. Nah, the word I was looking for was infiltrators because, you know, the word for sneaky. Um, (laughs) Brain not not good. And you get, like, the vehicle in there, and then the other one gives you, you know, the Inceptors and the heavier Dreadnought. So, depending – I don't know that this is necessarily, like, a great start collecting box for Dark Angels because it doesn't – really take anything that's unique to Dark Angels. Like, you don't get Hellblasters, you don't really get any, you know, Blade Guard veterans or anything like that. But I think these four kind of taken together give you some really interesting starting options to build any Space Marine force. Um, you know, where you just like, okay, I want some, you know, I want a couple of unit of troops, and I want... You know, Dreadnoughts. Like, I like troops and Dreadnoughts. Okay, so you pick up the Dark Angels one and the Space Wolves one, and you've got three units of troops, a heavy Dreadnought, a light Dreadnought, and two HQ units. Like, it just, it it creates some interesting, like, kind of mix-and-match options to get started with a Primaris Marine Army pretty quickly. Um, you know, and obviously, these are all coming around 500 points. 
it allows you to build up kind of quickly to that thousand point level as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and as you point out, there's nothing in this one other than the upgrade sprue that is specifically Dark Angels, although having the chaplain is kind of thematically Dark Angels. Yeah. Yeah. But, but this this would be uh, we mentioned Deathwing and Ravenwing, and if you just mentioned the phrase or mentioned the word Greenwing, that's basically referring to everything that is not a member of those two companies. So basically, all your rank and file Marines that wear the green power armor that Dark Angels wear, they're considered Greenwing, and so this is this is that, and you would need to build on top of this with what you want to add if you want to go either Deathwing or Ravenwing, which I think is also an interesting choice in that it doesn't lock you into either. Like, yeah, you can yeah. build... Because both of... Like, you, like with Deathwing and Ravenwing, you may want to lean really hard into one or the other. And it... Kind of like we mentioned with Steven's letter, like, it's hard to just kind of splash them in and really feel the full effectiveness of those two sub-factions. Kind of sub, sub right. Yeah, you really kind of need to like go all in on theme to make it work. And we'll cover that a little bit more with the, the rules. But yeah, it's, uh, I, I look at this one much more as like less of a Dark Angel start collecting box as, and more as part of the Space Marine start collecting line. Um, yeah, which I think is interesting. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, it's, and any of these, like you said, you can mix and match these and, like you buy two of these, especially if they both have uh, intercessors in them, you could easily, you know, fill, you know, like I could like this one, I could easily see combining with like the blood angels one to get a very mm-hmm. interesting force. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's going to be the strength of these uh, combat patrol boxes, especially for the space Marines. Yeah. So really like, don't look at this as a, Oh, I, I don't play Dark Angels. I shouldn't buy this. Think of it as, oh, these models look cool, and they'll fit with whatever I do. Like, the only one that's slightly iffy on that is, like, the Space Wolves because of the specific lieutenant they have. Yeah, but again, you know, if, you buy, if you're buying multiples of these, you're going to have, you know, like, the, the stuff for the cap, the Space Wolves captain, and, and even the, the Marak, the, or whatever they're called, whatever the reaver, their special reaver unit is. Those are all upgrade sprues. So you could easily do an arm swap and swap out a weapon from another from one of the other boxes or, you know, just do put them in as reavers without any of the special, you know, bits being, you know, so I, I think I think even those would still work if you're just trying to build out like a generic, like, say, Ultramarines army or something. Um, I think you'd still have options. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. All right, so that is going to take us over to detachment abilities, and then after that, I'm going to jump over to the datasheet abilities because, again, these all tie in together. So a Dark Angels detachment is one that only includes models with the Dark Angels keyword other than Agent of the Imperium or Unaligned. And if you have a Dark Angels uh, detachment, the following things happen. Ravenwing units and Dark Angels detachments that don't already have the Jink ability gain the Jink ability. Deathwing and Inner Circle units in Dark Angels detachments that do not already have Inner Circle ability gain the Inner Circle ability. If every unit in your army has the Dark Angels keyword, then all of them get all of them that have Combat Doctrines gains the Sons of the Lion ability, which we'll talk about in a second. That's their Super Doctrine. If every unit in your army 
has the Dark Angels keyword, then Dark Angels Vanguard detachment detachments that only contain models with Deathwing and or Inner Circle keywords gain the first company ability. And again, it's like building an entire detachment of Deathwing. And uh, same thing with Outrider Detachments for Ravenwing. They get the second company ability. And then you can only include one Ravenwing captain and one Deathwing captain from the same chapter. And so, and they also specify that all these standard uh, detachment rules, or like the, uh, all the standard army building rules apply. So, like, no more than one captain in a detachment normally. And so, yeah, you can't have two Raven, like, you can't even have two Ravenwing captains in your army. From, mm-hmm. from Dark Angels. So, so that super doctrine called Sons of the Lion, you know, most doctrines like are made for kind of a one size fits all situation. Like this will apply to all your units and some of them will benefit more than others. Not so with the Dark Angels. The Dark Angels actually built theirs so that it applies to everything, but in different ways. And this may be potentially the most powerful of all the sub doctrines because or all the all the super doctrines because it does work for everything so units with this ability have the following abilities which are described below speed of the raven fire discipline and implacable speed of the raven while devastator doctrine is active add three inches to the move characteristic of raven wing models from your army which they are already stupid fast <laughs> and then raven wing units from your army are eligible to shoot shoot with in a turn in which they advanced each time a model in that unit makes a ranged attack in a turn in which it advanced the attack suffers the penalty incurred to the hit rolls if it were firing an assault weapon so that first turn your raven wing models can pretty much go like nearly across the board and shoot normally for the first turn of the game because <laughs> that's the only turn that devastator will be in place unless you play adaptive tactics and give them the benefit of being under devastator later on. Right. <laughs> uh, fire discipline while tactical doctrine is active infantry models from your army, except for Deathwing, So only your green wing stuff can make attacks with rapid fire and assault weapons, excluding blast weapons while within engagement range of enemy units, but must target the enemy unit with an engagement range of its own unit when they do so. So basically during tactical, you can shoot people point blank. Like, while you're in combat with them. Uh, if, in such circumstances, the model can target an enemy unit, even if other friendly units are within engagement range of the same enemy unit, and while it's making such an attack, its ballistic skill is 5-up. So you're not going to be as likely to hit, but you can still just open up with your bolters on somebody you're in close combat with before you swing. <laughs> so that's 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 yeah. good. <laughs> and that's rapid fire and assault, so that would also include plasma guns. <laughs> yep. I mean, that's... Plasma guns, flamers, I melt gun, just every, basically anything that's not a heavy weapon. So that's that's or a pistol. But pistols can already do that, so it's not an issue. And then finally, implacable. While assault doctrine is active for your army, so for like the last part of the game, each time a Deathwing infantry or Deathwing dreadnought model from your army makes a melee attack against a character unit or a unit that contains any models with a wound's characteristic of eight or more, you can re-roll the wound roll. So you are there to kill characters and monsters and vehicles with your Deathwing. And Deathwing is pretty much going to be, with a few exceptions we'll talk about in a little bit, is pretty much going to be all infantry and dreadnoughts. Yeah. So basically, no matter what step of the game you're in, something, if you build your army to take advantage of it, something is going to get a bonus. 
So like a mixed force, but mixed in their own detachments could really be the way to go for this. Like this almost feels like uh, like a Drukari army where it's like, oh, I'll have a, you know, I'll have like a coven and a witch cult and a cabal all together in patrols doing their own thing. Except here they would have to be in vanguards and outriders and then like a, a green wing patrol. And then those first and sec- second company abilities, first company, Deathwing Terminator Squad, Terminator Squad, Terminator Assault Squad, and Relic Terminator Squad units in this detachment gain objective secured. And if your warlord is part of this detachment, the detachment's command benefits are changed to plus three command points. So it basically becomes like any other of the core detachment types for you. And then second company, bike squads and outrider squads get get objective secured and your warlord, you know, the same plus three command points if you're using a Ravenwing warlord. So... It, you can actually build a like a full Deathwing or Ravenwing army if you want and not suffer the penalty to holding objectives that you used to. And that's huge. Nice. Yeah, that's – yeah. Well, especially – I mean, especially like a Deathwing army, like you get on an objective, you're not going anywhere. I mean, <laughs> I mean we've talked well, about like how how unmovable like custodes are. This is going to be that same kind of feel. Yeah. Sure you can. Someone holds up a, a um, fallen model on another table and suddenly your <laughs> army leaves, right? <laughs> oh, jeez. That would have been a funny Achilles heel to add. Like the old uh, Necrons just blink off the table when they hit a certain casualty point. You're just oh, like, God. now if you have a fallen, if there's if there's a fallen in any of the adjacent tables, you just auto lose. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that's super useful because, as you mentioned, Deathwing are going to be rocks and going to be impossible to shift off of objectives. And Ravenwing, with as fast as they are, you're going to be able to snipe objectives throughout the game. Like, it's – yeah, that's insanely powerful. <laughs> yeah. And so – and we also mentioned those Inner Circle and Jink abilities. So I'm going to jump ahead to page 61, and we're going to talk about what those do because – oh, boy. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be nothing. I don't think they're going to be that good, right? Well, there's a, there's a little <laughs> caveat, though. Remember I, I mentioned, like, successor chapters pretty much work the same way as everyone else's successor chapters? There's yeah. one difference. Both of these abilities start with, if this unit has the Grim Resolve chapter tactic. So if yeah. you take a successor chapter and build your own chapter tactic, you do not get these. They do, Or you'll get them, but they do nothing. Yeah. And that's that's there to represent those chapters, those successor chapters that have. Yes, you do all the Dark Angel things, but you have not been brought into the full fold. Even your Terminators and your bikes are not full Deathwing and Ravenwing. So it's like you have the keywords, but you don't have the full abilities. You haven't learned the full technique. But if you take on Grim Resolve, then you are true children of the Primarch, and you are and so, and so th- now you now you get to fight the way we fight. And that actually matters, because here's Inner Circle. And remember, everything that has Deathwing and Inner Circle keywords, which includes all that stuff I mentioned from the uh, Space Marine Codex. If the unit has the Grim Resolve chapter tactic, or it has the Inheritors of the Primarch successor tactic, and it is using the chapter tactic of the Dark Angels, then each time a morale test is taken for this unit, it's automatically passed. While the unit is within engagement range of any enemy fallen units, unless the unit has the vehicle keyword, the unit cannot be selected to fall back. 
Each time you select this unit to fall back, unless it has the vehicle, Ravenwing, or Chapter Master keywords, roll 2d6. If the result is less than or equal to the unit's leadership characteristic, it can fall back. Otherwise, it cannot fall back and must remain stationary instead. They don't like to leave combat. Well, I mean, since that's all for the Inner Circle, that's great. Those are good uh, chapter tactics. I don't think we need to talk about the rest. (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) Oh, wait, sorry, there's more. There's more. (laughs) Each time an attack is made against this unit, if the unit has the infantry keyword, an unmodified wound roll of one to three always fails, irrespective of any abilities. Everybody has transhuman (laughs) physiology (laughs) all the time. (laughs) insane that is insanely strong <laughs> and that's going to be like all your terminators every yeah like, yeah all your ter- all of your terminators yeah. oh <laughs> and then there's jink because if you it's like well yeah. that's great for the terminators but what do i what do the raven wing get um the jink ability which again same restrictions grim resolve or inherited of the Primarch and you choose Dark Angels. Models in this unit have a 5-up and vulnerable save against ranged attacks. If you're in your movement phase, if this unit remains stationary, it loses this invulnerable save. Each time the unit advances until the start of your next turn, you get a 4-up and vuln against ranged attacks. So, if you move, you have a 5-up. If you advance, you have a 4-up, which is very similar to the way Jink used to be back in the day. Yeah. And then with that first turn, super like speed of the Raven, where you can advance and shoot first turn. So first turn, you're you're acting as like you're shooting pretty much as normal, and you have a uh, four up invuln. That's just so, crazy. Yeah, yeah, Nuts. yeah. Nuts. <laughs> Dark angels are going to be tough. So I've been I was up at the shop yesterday, and uh, I was speaking to a couple people who had been testing out some of the Dark Angel stuff, like since the you know leaks and some stuff had become available through like the previews and stuff and yeah like greg was saying that like his unit of terminators like just wiped out an army like terminators deathwing terminators are so insanely good right now (laughs) yeah i mean even in lore they were supposed to be scary but wow (laughs) yeah he's he said they're rock stars right now (laughs) oh yeah no death like the goonhammer did their like uh codex review uh, which uh, Chase was really excited for, Chase Garber, because yeah, he's, yeah. he's, you know, the the, the hear me out Kyle <laughs> issues <laughs> or, you know, like articles they did way back when trying to do like, you know, trying to make non-standard uh, Dark Angels builds work. And he is he is trying to lean hard to see if he can make an outer circle army that doesn't use those two abilities work. Oh, the, that sounds hard. <laughs> well, and that's yeah, kind I mean, of what Chase does is like he gives himself a challenge that way to build something unique and fun for him to play and see if he can make it competitive. And Chase is that good a player. He can make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but, uh, but still, yeah. Inner circle stuff is so solid. It's so rock solid. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, normally that's a, that ability, like you have to spend a command point to use that. Let's see. How much is transhuman physiology? cost in codex oh. space marines transhuman physiology that normal it a it only works on primaris units b it ca- it costs one cp if you have five or fewer models two if you have 10 or more so it's like if that can't even apply to terminators yeah but yeah terminators with that blade guard vets with that yeah because all of characters the characters with that all of the units that get that rule are either two up armor terminators with 
I think, three wounds, four wounds in some cases, or they're Primaris Marines with Storm Shields. Like, it's... They're going to be so freaking hard to to move. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be tough. I'm actually kind of glad that the the Death Guard Codex came out first, because if this had came out before Death Guard, every Death Guard player would have complained. And I'm sure they probably yeah. are. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> and now there's also an, another side bit uh, back. We're jumping back to page 43 uh, called rights of initiation. This is their equivalent of like, you know, inducting someone into the lost or giving somebody a plague, you know, like a, like a special plague weapon or things like that, that other chapter or like upgrading somebody to a chapter master uh, in this rights of initiation. If your army is battle forged, then uh, in any of your Deathwing detachments, you can upgrade any of the following units. Captain, Primaris Lieutenant equipped with Storm Shield, a Dreadnought, Land Raider, Repulsor, Storm Raven Gunship, or Transport that can transport Terminator units. Each time you upgrade one of these units, it gains the Deathwing keyword and its power rating is increased. And then they, you know, so you can make a standard captain rather than just, or like, rather than just one that's in Terminator armor or a Primaris Lieutenant that has a Storm Shield or a Dreadnought. Like, you can get all of these the inner circle ability by making them Deathwing. And also yeah. uh, letting you put them into it. It gives you more flexibility to build a Vanguard that would still get the first company ability. It's like, I want to have it. I would like to have a Dreadnought in my Deathwing Vanguard. Well, here you go. Spend, uh, you know, spend uh, 15 points. The Dreadnought's power goes up by one and it is now Deathwing. Or I want to have a non a non-Terminator captain. Okay, you can do that. Like, you want to have a Primaris captain in, you know, Gravis armor. Okay, yeah, sure. It's one power and 20 points. Like, yeah. Though that kind of points are easy to throw in. Or, like, yeah, transports. They're, all the transports cost 10 extra points. Yeah, this is a more elegant way of doing it because before they had, like, specific Deathwing, like, land raiders that cost more and had different rules. And, like, yeah, just make it an upgrade. Like, it's the same sheet. It's plus this. You know, that's it. Yeah. It gains the keyword. You're yeah. good. Much, yeah. much simpler than, than, than it was in the past. A absolutely. And, you know, by opening up transport unit that can transport Terminator models, that frees them up to, you know, like land raiders are a list, but if they ever make other transports later on, they've kind of future proof this. Well, and like, and having all of your, f your forge world transports and stuff like that. So your exactly. Spartans and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, they, they basically just, covered anything that they have now or will release later that can transport terminators boom covered so very well done i like i like how they've done this and like the repulsors is like well why do i want repulsors well a lots they're made of gun and b those blade guard veterans who are also uh -huh. awesome <laughs> yeah uh-huh <laughs> i will get to strats later after we look at the the rest of the army um warlord traits they we have three charts one for green wing and or that anybody can use and then uh raven wing and death wing each have two they can choose from so for example brilliant strategist these are the the regular ones um in your command phase you can select one dark angels unit within six inches of the warlord until the start of your next command phase each time a model in that unit makes an attack, if the Tactical Doctrine is active, then you can treat it as though Devastator Doctrine is active, like for Hellblasters. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Or each time a model in that unit makes an attack, if the assault doctrine is active, then the tactical doctrine is considered active for your rapid fire plasma guns. <laughs> You're going to hear that a lot because uh, spoilers on stratagems, weapons of the dark age made it into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fury of the lion. While a friendly dark angels unit is within six inches of this warlord, if this warlord has made a charge move, was charged or performed a heroic intervention in this turn, Add one to the strength character characteristic of models in the unit. Okay, that is clumsy as hell. So yeah, <laughs> unit is it affects the unit within six inches, but it's triggered on whether the warlord did the thing, not that the unit did the thing. So that one's a but little. The clumsy. warlord was inspiring. It's like a space wolf type thing. The well, actually, that's how they describe the it. Show, yay! Yeah, the leader inspires his battle brothers through his actions. So fair enough. Um, so see, Calib- he's copying space wolves. Well, I mean, they do have a rivalry, so it makes sense. Uh, Calibanite Knight. Each time this warlord makes a melee attack against an infantry or biker unit, an unmodified wound roll of two is always successful. Not bad. Uh, Stubborn Tenacity. When this warlord is destroyed, if it does not explode, you can use this warlord trait instead of any other abilities that take effect as a result of this model being destroyed. Uh, If you do, the Warlord is not removed from play until the start of the next turn or the end of the battle, whichever comes first. Until that happens, it is still considered to be in play, but any further wounds this Warlord would lose are not lost. So, yeah, so he dies. Uh, He's not, he not dead this turn. He still will, he'll act. And it's not like on a roll, he might get one last shot. No, he just will just do what he's going to do. Death is not the end. Yeah, no, that's no, pretty awesome. <laughs> because a lot of your As- a lot of your uh, HQ warlords in this in this army are beat sticks anyway. <laughs> yeah, so they want to get in. They want to get mm-hmm. close and beat on things. And yeah, uh, defensive tactician. While friendly dark angels core unit is within six inches of this warlord, add one to advanced charge rolls made for that unit. Never a bad thing. Honor of the First Legion, the Warlord is eligible to perform a heroic intervention if it is within six inches horizontally and five inches vertically of an enemy unit. So just the expanded range, you know, beyond the normal three inches. And each time this Warlord makes a heroic intervention move, so long as it ends that move closer to the closest enemy model, it can move up to six inches. And then Ravenwing, let's see, they get lightning fast reactions. Each time an attack is made against this Warlord, subtract one from the attack roll. Just all the time. Forever. Yeah. Uh, which by and then master of maneuver which by the way this is the one that samael has uh the warlord is eligible to either shoot or charge in a turn in which it fell back useful yep very useful and then and then deathwing have either watched uh once per battle in your opponent's psychic phase this warlord can attempt to resist one additional psychic power even if it is not a psyker and even if it is not within 24 inches of the enemy model manifesting the psychic power what it keep, oh, keeps man. going. When taking oh, the deny the witch test, do not roll the dice. It is automatically passed. Once per game, oh, no. My. <laughs> Anywhere on the that's table, like, no. <laughs> that's Vect level of no. <laughs> reading, so rereading it now. So when I read this last night when I was very tired, I missed the once per battle thing. <laughs> so I was almost going to suggest before we started Warlord Traits, why are we even reading them? Because you're taking that one. But once per battle, yeah, that makes it broken good instead of like just game shatteringly good <laughs> yeah. oh god was if like, it was not oh, once per battle yeah yeah because i read it as like oh on your opponent's psychic phase you can do this and i'm like oh shit you're just, <laughs> you, just no just no for psychics just no <laughs> so once per game is uh 
not quite that extreme, which is good. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I do like the flavor text on this, and it actually keys into a couple of abilities later. We mentioned the Watchers on the Dark, the little Jawa guys. Strange hooded creatures watch this warlord from afar and at times lend aid. So apparently <laughs> Watchers in the Dark just shut down psychers. Makes sense. And then there's an Ignexorable, which is the one Belial has. Each time an attack is allocated to this warlord, subtract one from the attack's damage characteristic. You ha- you are re- disgustingly resilient. <laughs> yeah. On top of not being wounded on a one, two, or three. Yeah, d- yeah. Death Guard players would have been pissed. They probably still are, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of am. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Most of these are really good. Like... The Deathwing ones are super good. Uh, of the main six, like, like four of them are really good. The other ones are useful in situations. Like, I don't know that you really go wrong. Like, if you take an Ravenwing or Deathwing, I don't think you're going to go wrong with any of the ones you roll off those charts. No, no. And, like, like the name here is, like, Asmodai, who's one of their uh, interrogators. He gets Fury of the Lion, which is probably the least that I care about. Mm-hmm. But Azrael gets brilliant strategist, and we've talked in the past and past Dark Angels episodes about the uh, Azrael brick with the uh, you know Hellblasters. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and then Ezekiel, their uh, master librarian, gets stubborn tenacity, where he you, he he will like if he blows up in the psychic phase for some reason, like he perils somehow. No, he's still around for the turn. He's still going to do his thing. Yeah, no, they're, they, these are, are stupid good. They're, these are all good. And then we get to Enteromancy, which is their special psychic discipline. Enteromancy is, has been kind of a weird mix in the past, but uh, it's pretty solid this time around. <laughs> uh, Mindworm, which has kind of their, been their classic ability. Because the, the whole idea of this is, like, their psychers, the reason their psychers are inner circle is because when a fallen is captured, it's up to the psychers to dig into their brains and find out where the other fallen are. So, or if they find out that there's somebody who might know where a fallen is, they will dig into their brains and find what they need. So, Mindworm, uh, warp charge six, 18 inch range, select, yeah, select an enemy unit within 18 inches. Uh, that unit suffers a mortal wound. And until the start of your next psychic phase, in the fight phase, that unit is not eligible to fight until all other eligible units from your army have done so. So, <laughs> you just, no, don't go yet. <laughs> Uh, aversion, uh, warp charge six, 24 inch range, select enemy unit. Again, not visibility does not matter. You just within range. Uh, when that unit is within six inches of the psyker, subtract one from its number of attacks. Each time a model on that unit makes an attack, subtract one from that attack roll. So again, no, <laughs> yeah, just, just no, you do not, you're not going to attack very well. Uh, Righteous Repugnance, Warp Charge 7, uh, choose a friendly Dark Angels unit within 12 inches uh, until the start of your next psychic phase each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack. And as we talked about, there's lots of beat sticks in this army. Uh, reroll, hit, and wound rolls. Mm-hmm. That's the one you're going to see a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Trephination, uh, Warp Charge 5, so stupid easy to cast. Uh, man. This is basically a smite equivalent. Uh, if manifested, the closest enemy unit within 18 inches visible to the psyker suffers D3 mortal wounds. If the result of the psychic test was greater than the leadership characteristics of the enemy unit, they suffer three mortal wounds instead. And in general, I think leadership 
stats are a little bit lower across the board than they used to be. Like, tens are very rare. You usually see, like, sevens, eights, nines, even some sixes. Mm-hmm. Uh, engulfing Fear. Warp Charge 7. Select an enemy within 24 inches until the start of your next psychic phase. Subtract one from the leadership characteristic. Uh, that unit cannot use objective secured. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, mm-hmm. your Deathwing can <laughs> And then if the result of the psychic test was equal to or greater than the unit's leadership characteristic, which, again, we talked about that that's, that's more, co- more likely to happen than you think, especially with a warp charge of seven, uh, that mm-hmm. unit cannot perform actions. Oh, did you want to score? No. Yeah. No. It's, uh... And then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then mind wipe, warp charge seven, uh, select an enemy within 18 inches of the psyker, then select one aura ability that unit has. It doesn't work this turn. Uh-huh. Like until, until the start of your next <laughs> psychic phase. So, yeah. Two full turns, practically, that ability just doesn't do anything. <laughs> it's, uh, they're, uh, yeah, so good. Like, I just... <laughs> Yeah, there's not a bad one in the list. There's some of them are a little situational, but like if you're playing against like a mostly shooty army, the ones that like will stop people from attacking melee, not that useful. But like if you you know you're focusing on assault, like mindworm is always going to be good. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, engulfing fear is that in, in ninth edition, engulfing fear will shut like that will screw with armies, any army, so bad. Yeah. And uh, Righteous Repugnance, that one is always going to be good. Um, Relics, uh, not going to get, you know, these all tend to be situational. Some of them are, are, uh, you know, like Mace of Redemption is there to basically, like, give your, uh, like, mostly to give your chaplains weapons that are good against Fallen or Heretic Astartes. Pennant of Remembrance is pretty solid for Deathwing. You can only put it on a Deathwing Ancient, but in your command phase, you select a infantry core unit within six inches. They re- they get disgustingly resilient <laughs> for a turn, uh, you know, reducing the damage by one. You know, stuff like Shroud of Heroes, just re- minus one to all attack rolls against me. Uh, you know, stuff like that. And they also have special, you know, standard special issue war gear, which uh, their successors can take as well. Um, we'll talk about the chapter approved rules later. Hey, this one is we- like, they keep moving around where this page is. Sometimes it's at, like in Death Guard, <laughs> it was at the very beginning. Sometimes it's been at the very end. Here it's in the middle. Sigh. <laughs> They'll eventually fall into a pattern. Yeah. Their crusade rules aren't like nothing too crazy. They track unforgiven points. But uh, apparently. Once you've accumulated... Okay, so after each battle, you gain an Unforgiven point. In addition, several of the Dark Angels' Crusade rules will instruct you to increase your Unforgiven points. Once you've accumulated at least 20 Unforgiven points, so you're hunting down the Fallen, then after determining the mission and seeing your opponent's army roster, you can attempt a capture mission. If so, you reset your Unforgiven points to zero, and then your army can only include Dark Angels or Dark Angel's successor, and your opponent's army gains one Fallen model. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like a model has power rating zero does not require a crusade card so basically like and then your opponent adds one of the following models to their army a captain a space marine captain that uh does not have rights of battle ability and gains the faction fallen so like you'll just you can you don't have to like give them the like the like 
chaos codex or anything. You just like, hey, I've already got the Space Marine codex here. You'll just use these rules for this guy. So it can either be one captain, one librarian, or one cipher. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then basically they build their stuff into trying to... So, like, when you're playing Dark Angels, you're always trying to chase the Fallen, and then once you hit 20, you can try to, to get the Fallen, which is fun. Yeah, I like it. And then... F- and now we'll get to the actual data sheets. What surprised me was how little some of these characters changed. Because, like, in like with a lot of the other books, we've seen characters like, oh, look, they gained a wound and they gained an attack because, like, that's what we're doing to all Space Marines now. Not so much in this. Osrael was already strength four, tough four, six wounds, five attacks. So he didn't change mm-hmm. at all. Although his, his uh, Lion's Wrath... It's always overcharged, and it will never kill him. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. Also, uh, he's accompanied by a Watcher in the Dark, and uh, the Watchers in the Dark pretty much work this way for everybody who has them, which includes, uh, like, the Deathwing Terminators squads. Mm-hmm. And basically, the Watcher of the Dark, once per battle, this model can attempt to deny the Witch as if it were a Psyker. If the model attempting to manifest the Psychic Power is a Chaos Psyker, you can re-roll the Deny the Witch the witch roll. So just, well, you know, you don't have to pack Psykers to have Psychic Defense, which is good. He gives you a couple extra command points if he is uh, your Warlord. And then he's got the standard, uh, like, Chapter Master stuff, you know. Six-inch aura of reroll ones, six-inch select one core or character unit they can reroll yeah, failed hit rolls. Uh, he still has the Lion Helm, which gives Dark Angels infantry and biker units within six inches of him four, a four-up invulnerable, so the Osriel brick still lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Belial also didn't change a whole lot other than, like, he is basically a Deathwing Chapter Master, so he has the same ability as, like, a Chapter Master, but only for Deathwing. So, uh, I don't remember in the last edition, so Belial used to have multiple weapon loadouts, where you could actually load him up with... Uh, he did... Yeah, I, I couldn't in, remember if that changed in, last time. In, like, in 6th and 7th, he did, in 8th, they fixed him to only have the Sword okay. of Silence. He, he's okay. locked I in with remember. that model now. Yeah. Yeah the best option so yeah <laughs> yeah so he he really didn't change much at all he, again he didn't gain an additional wound for being in terminator armor he is he, his stat line was pretty much the same as it was before uh Samael, he did lose something his alternate form you can no longer take a uh, Samael and sable claw it's no longer an option i imagine I'm it'll with that <laughs> it'll, it'll probably be in legends but uh, otherwise Samael has to be in his jet bike now I forget. Do they make a new version of that, or is it still? No, metal? it's still the fine, it's, it's still the metal or fine cast. Yeah, oh my it is gosh. still that one. <laughs> yeah, it needs to get updated. His stat line did change, though. He lost a toughness. He is only tough five now instead of six, but he gained two wounds and lost an attack. <laughs> so, <laughs> like his stat line shifted around weirdly, and he's also only on the bike. Um, he has a mastercrafted plasma cannon, which no longer kills him if you roll a one. It's just, again, like Azrael's, it's always overcharged. It always does two damage at strength eight. It's also AP minus four instead of AP minus three. So it's better. His sword still works the same way. Uh, it's 
It got the power sword treatment, so it's plus two strength instead of plus one. It's AP minus four instead of AP minus three. And if he made a charge move, it's it's strength times two instead of strength plus two. So it becomes strength eight on terms he wanted he charged. So he basically is like a shining spear. And he has Jink, which I mean that alone is is going to make him like really nasty. Um his he no longer gets a 2d6 inch uh, advance, though. He just automatically advances six if he advances. But he also gained an extra inch of movement. So he changed up like his they shifted him around in little ways a lot. But and again, he is pretty much a Ravenwing chapter master. He has the same abilities, except it only targets Ravenwing. Although I, I should say his ability to pick somebody and have them reroll every th- reroll all hits is Ravenwing only. He he and Belial still have like captain abilities that affect all Dark Angels, which is interesting. Right. Ezekiel, who is their who is their chief librarian, uh his again, he didn't change a whole lot. Again, he didn't get an extra wound, he didn't get an extra attack. He does have he did gain Master in Terromancer, which uh every time he attempts to manifest a psychic power from a Terromancy, he adds one to the psychic test, which is gonna matter on those ones where you have to roll higher than their leadership to get the full effect. Mm-hmm. Um uh, he still has a four up on Voln. Uh he has Okay, they changed his book of salvation. It used to be uh uh that Space Marines like or the Dark Angel infantry and bikers within six inches of him would pile in and get a single close combat attack if they were slain. Now it's instead, it's like when friendly Dark Angel's core or character units within six inches of this model each time the unit fights until the fight's resolved, add one to their attacks characteristic, but it doesn't stock with shock assault. But he just, he's basically just gives a bubble of more attacks. They do have interrogator chaplains who are me- who are members of the Deathwing and have inner circle. So hey, if you want to use that chaplain from the, uh, well, I don't know if the, I guess they don't they don't have Primaris inner interrogator chaplains though. So I guess you couldn't. Yeah. Well, unless you do, you have the, was that one that you could upgrade? No, chaplains are not. Okay. So interrogator chaplains are your only Deathwing. Uh, chaplain option and they do have you know they have the standard litanies thing aura of dread while the enemy units within six inches of this model it counts as being at half strength or below half strength which will matter for its combat attrition otherwise it's a pretty standard chaplain also strangely enough uh it did it did gain an attack but otherwise uh otherwise same stat line as before uh, Asmodai, he's there. He's like the head interrogator chaplain. Um, they changed up his exemplar hate ability to, and they may have done this in uh, Ritual of the Damned, but uh, because it ties into litanies, whenever he uses litany of hate, it adds three extra inches of range and adds mm-hmm. one to their hit roll. So it functions the same way as his litany, but he still has to do the litany. Um, otherwise, yeah, he's he hasn't changed much. I mean, most of these characters, like, there's, like, Azrael is still a really solid choice. Belial or Samael, if you're doing Deathwing or Ravenwing, are really solid. The others, you can kind of add to taste. Like, they're good choices, but they're not, like, killer the way they used to be. Now we get into some, like, lieutenants. The Ravenwing Talonmaster, which they added in the last uh, edition, uh, is basically a uh, inner circle Ravenwing lieutenant on a land speeder. And then they also... Yes, this one's actually new. The Deathwing Strike Master, 
which gives you a lieutenant in Terminator armor. Uh, we have Lazarus, the new death, the new uh, Dark Angel character. They added um, as a you know like a standalone Primaris model. He is a captain and he is inner circle. So if you if you want to go Primaris heavy, he's not bad to throw in. Uh, you get chaplains in Terminator armor who are also Deathwing because they're also interrogator chaplains. And then it's like Deathwing and Apothecary, Deathwing champion. I mean, these are not unusual choices. Deathwing Terminator squad, as we mentioned earlier, is just Terminators that you can mix and match between assault and ranged weapons. And th- th- other than the inner circle ability, they don't have any special abilities. Like once upon a time, I think, yeah, once upon a time, Deathwing, like, Maybe it was a, a strat that they had, but like they could like re-roll hits when they teleported in or something. Yeah, they, didn't they used have to it. have that. I think in seventh, and they don't have it in eighth. Yeah, it was that Deathwing assault rule where they, when they the first turn they teleported in, they could re-roll everything, which was yeah, they strong, but yeah, they took that away. Yeah. Now they yeah, just they don't have that re-roll everything other times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and that you can take a Watcher in the Dark to give them the uh, once per turn. You can try to deny the Witch. Uh, Deathwing Knights are pretty much the... Uh, they are an all-assault variant. Um, again, they don't have any real special abilities. Uh, they do look cool. They and look the, very the, cool. They look very cool. And the, the flail of the Unforgiven uh, that the Nightmaster has has the special ability that it had before where wounds can spill over onto other models the way mortal wounds do. Otherwise, uh, they used to be, like, really anti-chaos focused, and in, like, older editions, they are not now. They don't... They're just decent assault Terminator Yeah, they've, they've streamlined them a lot because they used to have... Like, they would do more damage against chaos, and it just... It was very clunky. So I think this them being veteran terminators with different weapons like makes a lot more sense yeah they haven't really changed much from the eighth edition codex so Mm -hmm. you know they're they're just there as an option uh the deathwing command squad uh they're really built to go around like with dark angels characters and if you have a deathwing terminator captain uh then you can add a command squad to the detachment without taking up a slot. That's one of the reasons why I recommend to Steven, like, not build it as a command squad because it didn't have, like, a Deathwing character to go with it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the like the Apothecary and the Champion, if you have a Deathwing command squad, you can add the Apothecary and Chaplain to your army or, you know, to the detachment without taking up a slot the same way. But they aren't, like... So if you had a box of five Terminators... You'd have to build a, a, a command squad of, like, at least two models. You could theoretically do two models, then an apothecary and a cha- champion, and then make a character, and it would work, and it would only take up the character's slot. But I still don't think that's getting the most out of your Terminators if you just had yeah. one box. I think I think you're better off taking a Terminator unit. Uh, Ravenwing get the kind of the same thing with the apothecary, the champion... Uh, they they still have a banner carrier as the Ravenwing Ancient. Uh, Ravenwing Black Knights are still a thing, and they're still awesome. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, they're pretty much... A, again, a lot of these have not changed from the previous codex. So, like, the units aren't all that different. And now I get to dig through the old Dark Angels codex, past all the stuff that got rolled into the standard Space Marine codex. Ah, here we are, Dark Shroud. So the Dark Shroud actually also has not changed much. 
Let's see. Yeah, the stat line is the same, and it still has the six-inch aura of subtract one from the attack rolls on any range attacks. So and uh, and you, still needs more legroom, and still needs more legroom for the guy in the back. Uh, Land speeder vengeance still has you know DJ plasma gun back there. It's okay. So the the plasma storm battery did go up in strength by one. So it went from strength seven eight when supercharged to eight nine when supercharged. Uh, same damage. They are. It is a blast weapon, and it's uh, heavy two d three instead of heavy six. So consistently more shots is good. Also, they did change one thing. The plasma storm battery used to be a very bad thing to supercharge because if you make one or more hit rolls of one, this is the old the eighth edition codex. It used to be if you make one or more hit rolls of one, th- then the vehicle immediately suffered three mortal wounds, and you couldn't use the plasma storm battery for the rest of the game. Now it's just each time you roll a one, an unmodified one, then you suffer a mortal wound. But the the weapon doesn't go away. So it's more consistently good, but it's still not the the thing I would most likely take because that's coming up next. And this is the Ravenwing Dark Talon because it got stupid good. (laughs) So the Dark Talon always had kind of weird rules where there was a rift vortex like okay so it has a rift cannon because the idea is they send this thing to hunt down fallen and so it's got like a stasis bomb that freezes them to place and it has this gun that can create warp like warp rifts that can like swallow people up and so it had a rift vortex that you had to roll on and like, the weapon was decent, it was strength 10, AP minus 3, 3 damage, and then if the unit suffered any damage, then you'd uh, roll a die, consult the table above based on how many wounds the vehicle had left, and if it had, and if you rolled well enough, then the unit would suffer an additional D3 mortal wounds. But the, they could still take invulnerable saves against it. If, you, if they managed to shrug off the initial damage, nothing happened. The Rift Cannon... Oh, and also, yeah, it was heavy D3. It still is heavy D3. Um, now it's heavy D3, strength 12, AP and damage are star, because each time an attack made with this weapon successfully wounds, which it's almost always gonna, because strength 12, do not make a saving throw. The target suffers three mortal wounds and the, su- and the attack sequence ends. <laughs> Just instant mortal wound gun. And then yeah. beyond that, it still has hurricane bolters, uh, the stasis bomb, once per game in your movement phase, after the model makes a normal move or advances, select one enemy mo- unit the model moved over as part of the move. If you do, the unit suffers D3 mortal wounds and is caught in stasis until the start of your next turn. While a unit, not counting vehicles or monsters, is in stasis, it can't fall back. So just, again, fly over, instant D3 mortal wounds, and they're st- they are stuck wherever they are if they're in combat. Whereas before, like, you flew over... Uh, a unit, you rolled like a D6 for each model and the enemy unit up to 10 on a four up, they would suffer a mortal wound. Now it's just, no, it just automatically happens. It just, it's streamlined. It's limited to D3 mortal wounds, but it just, it it's more consistent. And then finally, the Nephilim jet fighter, which is there to take out other aircraft. And in fact, it has that. Each time the model makes a range attack against an aircraft unit, add one to the attack's hit roll. 
and its weapons are pretty decent. The Black Sword missile launchers do more damage against aircraft, so it's a dedicated anti-aircraft aircraft. Mm-hmm. The Dark Talon is is a superior choice in almost every situation. Also has Ravenwing, which means, and it also has Jink. Uh. So it's all, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And keep in mind, the old jink from 8th edition was you had that 4-up invuln if you advanced. Now you have a 5-up invuln if you move and a 4-up if you advance. So the Dark Talon now has a just always on. And because it's an aircraft that cannot ho- or it can switch into hover, but like you're always going to be moving it. So it will always have a 5-up invuln. And finally, we're going to jump over to Stratagems, which is back on page 44. Uh, there's only two pages of these, and we don't have to worry about the requisition stratagems because they're the standard uh, extra warlord trait, extra relic. Uh, successor chapter gets a real relic. Um, like, some of these are, I like, intractable, which is a nice one. When Dark Angel's unit from your army is selected to fall back, if the unit has the inner circle ability, you do not need to roll 2d6 to see if it can fall back. It can automatically do so. They're like, even even the Dark Angels know that sometimes you have to fall back. And you can fall back and still shoot without penalty for a turn. So that one's pretty pretty nice. Um, especially like if you end up, like if your Azrael Brick gets charged. Right. <laughs> uh Deathwing Assault. We, we mentioned that. Uh, use the stratagem in the shooting phase when a Deathwing unit... Uh, is selected to shoot each time a model in that unit makes a range attack. If it was set up on the battlefield, this turn is a result of teleport homer or teleport strike. Add one to the attack's wound wound roll. So they don't re-roll hits anymore, but they're more likely to wound when they do. Yeah, it's a fair trade. Yeah. Uh, High-speed focus. Use the strat in an opponent shooting phase uh, when you allocate a range attack to a Ravenwing vehicle model from your army. Uh, if until the start of the next turn, model has a four up and vulnerable. So like you can basically get the drink bonus without advancing. And this is also uh, applicable if you're playing outer circle. If you don't have the jink ability that like if you're using a different chapter tactic, you could still use this. Mm-hmm. Uh, here we go. Here's a strat for Deathwing Knights. Uh, you no foe too great to subdue for two CP. Use the stratagem in your fight phase when a Deathwing Knights unit from your army is chosen to fight until the end of the phase. Each time a model in the Deathwing unit makes an attack with a Mace of Absolution against an enemy vehicle or monster, add one to the wound roll and improve the armor penetration by one. Well, let's go so monster like, hunting. <laughs> yep. And, I mean, the Mace of Absolution is already AP minus two, so that gets it to a nice solid AP minus three. And they're going to be strength eight, so add one to the wound roll as if you need it. <laughs> I mean... Which, I mean, could make them really nasty for hunting things like Imperial Knights or Chaos Knights. Because suddenly they're, 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 they're normally wounding on fours. They'd be wounding on threes. Yeah, because the Mace of Absolution doubles their strength. So, yeah. And does three damage per swing. And, oh, they have... Uh, Deathwing Knights have two attacks each. They're going to have one more if they charge. So, uh, there's five of them. So, that's going to... You know, or minimum five. So, yeah, you're talking... The master will have a flail the under. So there'd be four of them there. So there'd be 12 attacks hitting on twos, wounding on threes, AP minus three, three damage. Each. Yeah, you, you'll ruin, ruin a night's mm-hmm. day. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. 
And then there's like some strategic ploys, like uh, a tactical appraisal. Uh, you could <laughs> use a strat in your command phase. Select a Dark Angels unit from your army within six inches of your. It's ba- this one is basically the brilliant strategist in uh, stratagem form. Nice. So you can basically like just pick another unit within six inches. So if you don't have that as your warlord trait, you can use it temporarily with this and just put another doctrine in place for one unit within your in your army. Let's see. Uh, I would be. I, I would not be doing my job if I did not mention weapons from the Dark Age. If you're not familiar with this one, this one is the one that makes all your plasma weapons sing. Um, use a stratagem uh, in your shooting phase when a Dark Angels unit from your army is selected to shoot. Until the end of the phase, add one to the damage characteristic of plasma weapons models in that unit are equipped with. It costs two CP, which is a little expensive, but when you figure you're getting a CP every turn and the game is much more CP friendly, that's hardly a, a cost to worry about. Yeah, the benefits of that are so much, so much better. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, we keep, yeah, uh, we do, you may keep hearing us talk about the Osreo brick. And for, for a lot of like seventh and eighth edition, like that, especially eighth edition, like that was one of the Dark Angel builds. And, and partially that was because I think Deathwing and Ravenwing were really hard to build around because you gave up so much by, by going, especially like command point wise going that Mm -hmm. style you really struggled and so what people were doing was you would take osrael and a premier's lieutenant and you would surround them with a unit or possibly two of hell blasters with you know with their plasma guns so this brick has like four you know they have a four up invulnerable they're re-rolling ones to wound they're re-rolling ones to hit which is especially good because now you can just very safely supercharge your plasma guns and just go off on people. And then with, you know, use weapons from the dark age, just tear things down. That is still a viable play in this codex, but you've got so many other options now with like Deathwing and Ravenwing. I mean, as you said, a unit of, what was it? Greg had a unit of terminators basically take out an opposing army. Yeah. Between some of the stratagems and like the, you know, the enteromancy the uh, spells that you can put on them. Like, yeah, you just can tear through things. So, uh, yeah, this is going to be a terrifying army to play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, these like this could easily bump, like, if, from a competitive standpoint, Dark Angels, like, it's, I don't want to say it's not going to even take a good general, but a, a competent, a remotely competent general with a, a good build... We'll be able to do very nasty things with this. Yeah, I think the I think the key is going to be who can figure out the balance. Because I think you as we mentioned, you have to take kind of a balance of a detachment of Greenwing, a detachment of Deathwing, and a detachment of Ravenwing to kind of get all of the benefits. And I think how you allocate the points between those three is where like is what's really gonna separate the the good general from the great general with this army. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of, of match play, here are your three match play missions that uh, Dark Angels have access to. First is uh, for Purge the Enemy. It's Martial Interdiction. Uh, if you select this objective, then after both sides have deployed, but before the first turn begins, the fist turn begins. Proofreading, people. Proofreading. <laughs> uh, your opponent must select one character model from their army. If their army does not contain any character models, they must select their warlord. 
Score victory points at the end of the battle is followed. Uh, score six if the selected enemy model was destroyed by a melee attack made by a Dark Angels model from your army. Score three additional if it was made by an Inner Circle or Deathwing model from your army. And so score six additional points if the Dark Angels model f- unit that destroyed the selected enemy model has not itself been destroyed. So, uh, this one's a pretty solid one to take if you are a, uh, if you're building Deathwing. Because everything's mm-hmm. going to be Inner Circle or Deathwing. You could also take it with Ravenwing because there's a fair number of Inner Circle Ravenwing models. Um, the only but, downside uh, is that it hinges on killing him in melee, and that's not not yeah. necessarily tricky. It's just like it's, you know, if you shoot too well, like you don't get all the points. So you just have to you have to be aware of that if you take this one. Well, if you shoot too well, you don't get any of the points. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you have to build and play for this one. So this one will be a, like, it'll, I think it won't be hard to max out, but it's going to be an on off. You either max it out or you don't like, you don't get anything for it. Um, for no mercy, no respite, we get death on the wind, which if you're playing Ravenwing, this is probably a pretty solid one to take. Score two victory points each time an enemy unit is destroyed by an attack made by a Ravenwing model from your army that moved 12 inches or more during the movement phase of that turn or made a charge move that turn. Since nearly everything that's Ravenwing has at least 12 inches of movement, this should be an easy one to score. Yeah. You just have to try to kill something every turn with a Ravenwing, but if you are playing Ravenwing heavy, this is a, a, a really good one to do. And then Battlefield Supremacy, Stubborn Defiance. This is one that, like, I think either Deathwing or Greenwing could really benefit from. In your first command phase, select an objective marker. At the end of your command phases after the first, if you control that objective marker with a Dark Angels unit from your army that has objectives secured, so you're either playing Greenwing or you have an entire vanguard of Deathwing, score a number of victory points based on the consecutive number of your command phases that you have controlled that objective marker with that unit as follows. And basically, uh, if you controlled it for two command phases, it's worth two. Three command phases is the th- on the third turn, it's three. On the fourth turn, it's five. On the fifth turn, it's five. So it will max out to 15 points. And they say, for example, in your third command phase, if you've controlled that objective marker for three of your command phases consecutively, you will score three victory points that turn. Park a Deathwing Terminator squad, preferably one with Storm Shields if you can, on an objective, in your deployment zone, earn 15 points. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that <laughs> that one is so easy, for, especially with, with uh, Inner Circle. Like, that unit is going, like, you're automatically going to pass morale, so, like, you don't even have to worry about, like, bad rolling on that. They're only going to wound you on... On rolls of four or more, you're tough as nails because you have the, you know, Terminator armor, preferably a storm shield, which which does give you a four up invulnerable save and adds one to your your saving throws. So, I mean, small arms fire is barely going to bother you at all. Ah, <laughs> I mean, that one is so, is like just so obviously good. It's if you've got a unit that's resilient enough. Um, also, I mean, the Azrael brick could also just park itself on a unit or on an objective marker and just sit there forever. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it does have to be something that's objective secured. So actually, in the case of the Azrael brick, it wouldn't work because hell, hell blasters are not objective secured. No, but you take like a unit of uh, 
you take you take a, a five man squad of uh, green marines and wrap them in the brick and then just do it that way. <laughs> then uh, you, that would then, all, you, then you have to like peel through the layers of the brick to even get them off the objective. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Or again, you could you know like with Steven, we said uh, you know just splat you know have a squad of of Deathwing Terminators. Uh, the thing about that is, let's see, 61, is they don't have to be, like, in a Deathwing detachment. They'll still have the inner circle ability, so they'll still have that, as long as you're using Grim Resolve as your chapter tactic. So, I mean, that, that unit of Terminators on the objective will just score you points turn after turn. It's not, they're not going to kill at turn one. There's no way. So, I mean, you're pretty much guaranteed at least two points now granted it may not be the most effective use combat wise for that squad of terminators but it's going to be pretty good right (laughs) and considering like very few objectives unless you take it as a secondary are built around killing so if it's the objective like well i need to hold so many objectives well this is one i'm definitely going to hold i mean that unit will just earn you points so I think it it it's still a solid choice. So yeah. yeah. Oh no, go ahead. Oh, uh, so, like yeah, and like you could just take that Terminator unit, put a plasma cannon in it, and like storm bolters, and just basically like still be able to shoot off of that while you're still holding it. But yeah, oh yeah, you could uh, have like ugh. you could have <laughs> because you can mix and match in that squad. You could have two guys with storm shields, basically kind of tanking everything, and then. Yeah, have like a plasma cannon or two, or plasma cannon, maybe an assault cannon or two, sitting there putting down wounds. And yeah, no, it's you can you can do some really nasty stuff with this. This is this is a very powerful codex supplement. I mean, this is this is easily the most powerful of the uh, the four that they've done. Definitely more yes. powerful than Death Watch. Uh, easily more powerful than uh, Space Wolves and Blood Angels. It has yeah. to be built properly, but there's a lot, like, every option, every style of building this is is supported well. Their psychic powers are good, the, the strats, I mean, the, the strats are fine, Weapons of the Dark Age is fantastic. Old builds aren't rendered invalid unless you use Samael in Sableclaw, in which case, congratulations, he's a Talon Master now. Um, but right. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a really, really, really good uh, codex supplement. I think dark I think Dark Angels players will be very happy. Deathwing players, Ravenwing players will be very happy that especially if they've had a Deathwing army that they built for older editions and had to kind of shelve for a while. You can bring that back out now. It's it's actually going to be a playable and I really like what they've done with how like detachments and command points and everything work it's a viable choice now you can actually build that way yeah yeah it's super good <laughs> and and yeah at least that uh deathwing uh that deathwing warlord trait is not everyone like even once per turn would be too damn good for that thing oh golly yeah <laughs> so so now the question is like uh i mean the next codex that we're expecting is drukari how do you follow this up and still feel like you can do something i mean the advantage for that is that drukari are such a completely different force that like it 
that it's going to force them to design that completely differently. Like you, you can't, you can't design Drukari this way, which, you know, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. And the other thing about Drukari is they're a more fragile, maneuverable, um, faction. So they won't have all the, I have pretty much four invulnerables all the time. I mean, they might give them some of that speed stuff, but I guess we'll have to see. Although if they did have four up invulnerables, that would make them match up with Harlequins. And Harlequins have been doing well as soon as their invulnerable saves got moved from five to a four. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that that's hopeful because you need something in this edition to make up for, like to give you some form of resilience. Uh, I think they may have erred too much on the side of caution on, uh, or you know, given too much resilience to to uh, Dark Angels, but we'll see how it pans out. I'll say maybe, oh, probably, but Dark Angels are also the poster child of this edition, it feels like. So, I can see them being better. Well, I mean, Ultramarines still get a lot of focus, but we also haven't seen the Ultramarine, like, all the other founding supplements updated since 8th edition. And they're compatible, but none of them are written with this kind of power level. Like, even, yeah. I mean, even Iron Hands, I don't think, was quite this good. (laughs) Yeah, I, I... I think Iron Hands had some things where, like, they could you could build super powerful things, but like, I kind of don't. I think, like, just by default, like this is going to be super powerful because you could grab anything and make it work really easily. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Dark Angels players, rejoice for you have you have a powerful set of tools in your hands now. Uh, and if you don't already have the Codex, you may have to wait a bit, but it'll get back in stock eventually. All right. I think from there we'll move over to uh, hobby progress. Uh, I actually got some work. Uh, I haven't finished them yet, but I worked on my sisters of slaughter some more and on the sister Amelia model. And I did. So I've been able to take the new thinner style of paint handle, try it from like in a, a number of different styles, like holding it and and using it. Uh, I still prefer the older, chunkier ones. I. There's a couple of things on this one that have that I have found annoying. I've mentioned like one of them in the past was the fact that like it feels like it's all part of one component rather than like the clip that holds the model being a removable piece. And it does make the the whole thing feel like it's more fragile. I don't feel like the clip feels as solid as the old one. Also, the fact that it is slightly taller has caused like if I've been reach like if I set it down and like reach to get like a new color of paint or or a new brush or something I've knocked it down a few times I've actually while bringing my arm back I once sent it flying off my painting table and I'm lucky that nothing broke off the model yeah that was the big thing that I was really concerned about with it yeah um ergonomically it's not bad like it's not uncomfortable in my hand it does not feel as solid but like I can grip it more easily. Like I can grip the bulb of it in my hand and have like the the stem that the clip is on top of go through my fingers, and that's like for for getting a different angle. It's a little bit more comfortable because it is thinner. So in that's in that case, it's not bad. And if I if I was somebody with like smaller hands, that would probably feel very comfortable compared to the old one. So I will give it that. But it's just it doesn't. Like for me, it just does not feel as good, and it seems like it. The the tr- I don't know if I like the trade offs in design for it, but again, that is that is personal opinion. Uh, 
unfortunately, if I want to get any more of the old painting handles, I'll have to track them down because they're not selling them anymore. It's just the new design. So uh, it's it's workable. It's just not my ideal. But uh, yeah, I've gotten some work on them. I'm hoping to finish her up this week, although this week it's going to be possibly too cold in the garage to paint because... We're having lows of the negatives, somethings at the end, by the end of the week. Like, I think negative, it keeps changing whether it's going to be like negative four or negative seven on Friday night, but it's going to be cold in the garage. So I'm not looking forward to that. So I may have to do some painting in the kitchen, but uh, <laughs> that is what I have worked on. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do a KR, KR order soon to move more of these models off of my uh, painting table and into cases. Although I was sad when I found out that to uh, like for the great unclean one, you actually have to order like the one and a half size case because he's, his base is so big. Like those, like he's got like the 110 mil base or, or something like that. And it's so, and apparently the, uh, I want to say the keeper of secrets may have the same issue. Which I don't have one of the new Keeper of Secrets, but you technically I- yes. Um, I've gotten around that by I don't know. Her her base is uh, she sits sideways somewhat. Uh, so is hers more of an oval base? Or no, it's a hundred mil yes. round. Okay. Well, I I got the old 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 one from Games Day, and it was an oval base. Okay, like the new one it come is on a, a round yeah the base. new ones i think are on the round ones yes yes yeah that and i th- let's see because that's 100 mil the great unclean one is on 100 okay he's on 130 mil which is yeah that that's just the make, difference yeah that makes him just a bit too big to put in a standard case so you have to get like a one and a half case and clamshell him in to make him fit properly so a bit disappointing but it does mean that i could just put all my uh that i think he would only use one half of the case and then so the other half could just be more and more trays of uh plague bears and nurglings so i guess that will work but yeah that's pretty much it for me a little bit of painting and i need to order more storage oh i I did shit oh Oh, sorry. Well, oh, oh no, no, no. It's fine. I, I was just gonna say I also bought Blitz Bowl season two and the Halfling team and and assembled the Halfling yeah. team. So like, not nice. really forty k, but it's a thing I did. And eventually, I'll get to play it because I bought Blitz Bowl season one. I like I had all these plans. Like, hey, I'm gonna buy this and be able to like my friend Dan move next door. We're gonna be able to play fantasy football, and that was in February of 2020. And we know how March went. What happened? It's still it's still March 2020, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, well, that's fair, Kevin. You live in Arizona, so I'm surprised you don't know because nobody there does seem to know. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, yeah, I haven't done anything the last week, and I won't. And I won't between this episode and the next time we record either, since I'm back home. Like I have I have moved models around in my attic, like you know, to like reorganize, and I've packed some stuff up but like i need to order more kr cases as well but other than picking up a uh i was able to find a box of the um eliminators uh when they came out so i picked one of those up but that's it that's the only 40k thing i've done is bought a box of models that i won't get to for a while (laughs) well i guess for me i've still been on the painting my underworld's war bands and playing then when I can, I still, I got the, we actually had some warm days in Texas, so I got 
uh, priming day done. So I've got two more warbands primed. And I was going to prime the um, Telemon Dread, but my gold primer had no aerosol left in it i guess oh because i just when i pushed i pushed the button and and paint just came dripping out of the first i'm like this is new i've never had this happen to me before so i was kind of sad i talked to some other people around they said yeah sometimes aerosol just just is done then you just have paint in a can you can't really get out so Mm. um that sucks i will probably yeah, I'll probably have to get another one of that and then probably wait for later in February, maybe March, to get that primed. But by then, I'm hoping to actually get the arm because I was able to magnetize both the missile launcher on top and the two arms or gun arms I have, but I still want the fist arm. Oh, nice. And so once, yeah. I get, once I get the fist arm, I'll be able to put a magnet in it, and then it can just attach as well, and I will have options and then prime it, paint it, and hopefully use it sometime this year. That's so what's nice that's about the my, newer my work. That's what's nice about the the newer Forge World models is they're really they make them really easy to magnetize. Oh, this yeah, this was super super easy. Did, did I, they have like I, pre like preformed spaces for magnets cuz they like they've done yes. that for like the town R. Mhm. Yes. The on the arms and on the like the top where the missile launcher is, oh, there nice. are like in, indentations. I measured them to make sure that I bought the right size of magnet. So the magnet isn't too big because the ones I had were actually just a little too big. Um, so buying the right size magnets, I was able to just put a drop of glue, drop them in, wait a long time or and a couple hours, and yeah, th- they're good to go. Awesome, yeah, I really like it. And I, I would love to see them do that with kind of more things. Have that little magnet indentation for some of the bigger models that have weapon options. But as Kevin said, Forge World has been doing that very well recently. Well, and I think they Forge World kind of knows that you're they people are not going to buy multiple kits just to have mul- like of like the whole thing to have multiple options. They want to have be able to hot swap pieces. So they're they're building it with their cu- knowing their customer base. So that's that's great. Yeah. For my hobby progress, um, I had the adventure of assembling Illuminator Zerus. <laughs> and that was a chore, really. Um, yeah, I'd heard he was spindly. Yeah, there's <laughs> quite a few little, like, th- there's a lot of, like, a lot of pieces that go together and then like they'll lead to other pieces and if you don't get the angle of the other pieces right then like the floating bits like don't line up right uh. to to come together cuz like he's holding like this little orb in his hand and that orb is made up of like one two or, or it intersect. It's made of two pieces. One's in his hand, and the other is essentially connected to his other arm. But then there's also, uh, like a little vestigial, like laser thingy that connects to it as well. And so you have to get the angle on like both arms, and that little thing right and and then the uh 
the big bit that gave me the most trouble, the 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 piece that I like to call the stream of melty man goo. Yeah. <sighs> which <laughs> I remember when you or, mentioned that we're just chatting. You're like, and I'm like, oh. and I was like, so we're just not doing, doing phrasing doing? anymore. <laughs> and, and you were just like, well, what else are we going to call it? I'm like, yeah, uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah you're I mean, right. That's that's what that is. Yeah, like it just the way that that like fits together with the the guy that's laying on the ground is a piece like his his front like face and chest piece are are basically the primary piece that's connected to the the big goo line but then it also like connects to a piece that is his arm that sticks up but in between his arm and his body is where like the laser from Saris's weapon is and so like you have to line all three of those upright and I just couldn't get it. For first thing was realizing that like the weapon goes in there. I didn't actually quite get that that was a, a piece of that right away. And so I was just trying to get. I was just trying to get like the 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 arm and the the face slash goo piece to fit together, and they don't fit together like correctly because the weapon slots in between them. And like, once I tried to put it together wrong, it messed up the pieces a little bit. So they like, even getting it put together correctly became kind of impossible after that. Yeah. The, uh, the instructions for that one are not super clear. Like there's certain things that you're like, Oh, I was supposed to put this, piece glue it in on the back side of the model two steps ago and it wasn't really shown and it's like that's frustrating yeah. um mine my Zerus himself came out but yeah the the fleshy the stream of mangu uh like doesn't really connect <laughs> to him anyway so like it's i think it looks fine i managed to kind of make it like work but yeah it's, it doesn't it doesn't line up like it's supposed to on the like on the box but but yeah, you did manage to get it all together in the end. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean it's it looks fine. You you look at that one spot and there's it's a little rough, but it probably will probably once I get it, you know, painted and stuff, you you're probably not gonna notice. Cause I mean it is kind of a a melty part, so like it doesn't have to have like clean edges exactly. Yeah. I think that is, we're just about time to uh, wrap up the episode. Uh, do have, obviously, the morale phase left to do. First off, I'd like to do a morale phase follow-up from last week's, or from last episode's morale phase, because holy crap, WandaVision. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I don't want to say anything, because OMG spoilers, but uh, if yeah. you have not started watching the show Oh, please watch it because, like, at the time we recorded, what the first three episodes were out. Yes, uh, yeah. and and since then, episodes four and five of it, which have cracked this thing wide open, and it's getting and it's just getting crazier and crazier. And, yeah, uh, it, it without spoiling anything, like I mean, pretty much episode four 
like it gives you like context for like the series in in the Marvel universe like overall like it kind of helps define what is going on more yeah yeah and then episode 5 just takes all that and cranks it up to 11 and i mm. think there's still room for it to go up yeah especially because one of the rumors that had been talked about uh, about somebody being cast in a particular role who is not normally associated with the MCU came true. So just yeah. going to say that I, I don't want to say more, but a surprise reveal. And yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's awesome. So uh, definitely keep watching that. Are, is it a, do we know if it's, it's a, is it a 10 episode, eight episode? Uh, nine, I believe. So nine? I believe we're okay. at the midway point. Yep. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so you've got four more episodes of that to watch. It's going to be an awesome month. Uh, and then is Falcon and Winter Soldier like right after that, or are they taking a little time off or? So there's, so from what I understand, there's a week break, uh, and then Falcon and Winter Soldier starts the next week. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. So, Jumping right yeah, into that, it. Yeah. And, uh, that one also looks like it's going to be great. So I, I'm. Again, excited for the stuff that Marvel's putting out. Uh, the other one thing I wanted to talk about for the morale phase is one that uh, my partner and I just finished watching, and it, we we caught up to it. So we just finished the second season of it. We'd watched the first season a while back, but uh, this one's just a little bit of silly fun. One Punch Man. <laughs> <laughs> one Punch Man is is great, uh, and. Basically, it is an anime. It's available on, I believe, Netflix has it, Hulu has it, um, and both subbed and dubbed. And I imagine like Funimation might have it as well. But uh, basically, it's it is an anime take on superheroes, with the main character being, what if someone became a superhero for fun and trained to the point that nothing was a challenge for them anymore, ever. And the reason it is called One Punch Man is because the main character can literally defeat anyone in a single punch. <laughs> and that may seem like a pretty thin premise to hang a show on, and it's not particularly deep in any way, but it it basically makes fun of like every like anime power-up trope and and just has a ball doing it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I have actually only watched like I think those the first three episodes of it, and at that point, like I got, I think I got distracted by something else that was actually new that had come out, and I, you know, focused on watching that instead. I don't even remember what it was at the time, but like a after watching those first three episodes, like I didn't have a. a a hard time, like, you know, breaking away from it because I felt like, yeah, I kind of, like, I see what this is. I see what, the, like, the joke is. And, and like, like, I was amused by it, but I didn't feel like I, like, I saw where it was going and I didn't expect a whole lot from it, but, like, I do still want to go back and watch it. I just yeah, I like said, it around to it. It's it's not a deep show, but it like 
the 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 bits about it that I I find amusing is is not just the main character Saitama uh who his his biggest challenge in life now is that he's bored more than anything else because nothing is a challenge to him and he keeps hoping he'll find someone who can challenge him but not in the sense of I will you know I will seek out the greatest but just like oh look somebody new showed up maybe they'll give me some t- no damn it <laughs> you know that kind of thing <laughs> but also the other heroes that exist in this universe and the entire hero association and the fact that nobody realizes except with like maybe one or two people that Saitama who who also doesn't have a superhero code name he's just Saitama because nobody pays any attention to him because the fights aren't long enough nobody sees him in action and so he's like bottom ranked at the hero association because he's also too lazy to fill in the paperwork <laughs> to actually like re- he doesn't report his own fights so nobody knows how strong he is and he can't really be bothered because he'd rather sit at home play video games and read manga all day but like most of the things that happen to him is like oh i oh i have to finish up this fight quickly because oh the sale's almost over and i got to get there before the shop closes it's that, like he's like the most mundane overpowered character ever and mm-hmm. it's just it's it's amusing and the second season does get a gets a little bit deeper into uh like, what if somebody decided to side with the monsters or thought the monsters were should, you know, should get a fair shake because everybody always gangs up on them? But then what if the monsters decide to form their own association and work together? So it's just like it gets into that. It gets into, like, why is Saitama even, like, has Saitama hit, like, the has he plateaued? Will he never increase? Why is he even seeking out? Like to you know to find out if somebody is strong enough to give him a challenge, so it kind of digs into that a little bit more, but it's still like stupid, over the top goofiness, and it's it's a lot of I find it a lot of fun. It's just it's like light goofy fluff, and sometimes that is just the thing you need, and and so I so we really enjoyed that, uh, and to the point where like. We'd be watching it and like I said, it's all out now. It's, you know, it's, it's been out for like the second season has been out for uh, a year or two now. And we were watching it and we'd finish up an episode and my partner would go like, do we have to stop here? I want to, I want to watch another one. And <laughs> she was rarely ever like, like, nor like she likes to pace things out. So we, so they take longer and so that we can kind of enjoy more. And she's like, I'm like, so do we stop after one episode? She's like, no, but also yes. And then when we got near the end, she's like, no, we're just watching the next one. We're watching the next <laughs> one because it's the pacing on it is really fun. And uh, so if you like superheroes, if you like parody of superheroes, if you like just goofy, fun action comedy, I, I'd highly recommend One One Punch Man. It's a lot. It's it's a lot of fun. And the funny thing is, like, the artist who originally developed it can't draw for shit like his 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 manga looked like was really 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 badly drawn and cart and and, like not even well done cartoony cart style but the writing was so sharp that they then like hired i want to say it was like the manga artist that did like ice shield 21 which is like this uh like american football style manga is like really well done brought in an artist to redraw it all because 
it like it started off as a crudely drawn webcomic and it has become this like two season anime series. So it's like that gives you an idea of like the quality of the of the writing when you the of the comic writing when you get into it. So it, it's just a lot of it's a lot of stupid fun and that does not take itself seriously really at all. It at all. It occasionally like act like it's veering in that direction and then completely pull a joke instead. So it, it's it's fun. I highly recommend it. All right. Well, I think that epi- that finishes up episode. Was this two thirty two? I think it's two hundred thirty two. Yep. Two thirty two. Epi- this finishes up episode two hundred thirty two. Uh, we don't know what's coming in two weeks. Uh, did we get an announcement? Was did Warhammer Community say what's going? Uh, I did not check. For- uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Monster Truck Madness. Uh it's a Age of Sigmar week for He Knights of Slanesh. Wait a minute. Does this mean we can actually get back to the uh, army building? <laughs> like, <laughs> to the start collecting set? I mean, New content? Maybe. <laughs> I, I still think we're going to have Drukari coming out soon, followed by the Pain and um, whatever box set, Pain followed and by Piety, Sisters. Yeah. Pain and Piety by Sisters Codex after that. That's my prediction. We'll see if it comes true Okay, Dennis... I know you don't play Age of Sigmar. Uh, you don't play so like I mean you could play Heed Knights of Slanesh because you have enough Slanesh stuff. Uh, you want these dice though. You are going to want to pre-order the dice. dice. They are will, purple dice with gold dice. pips and the Slanesh logo on the six. Yeah, oh, wow. they're pretty that awesome. Kind of cool. Yeah, so you'll want. When do them. they come out? Uh, they go up for pre-order uh, next Saturday. So the, they so the thirteenth. So they'll go up for pre-order on on your birthday. <laughs> yeah. I th- I think you need to get those, or maybe I'll just take a trip to the Citadel on the twentieth. Uh, I would pre-order them because dice actually tend to sell out pretty fast. Strangely enough, really, because last time I was at the Citadel, there was tons of Dark Angels dice and tons of the last Sigmar uh, set dice, or maybe they just ordered too many dice there. Yeah, you can also reach out to the Citadel and ask them to like hold you one back, see if they would. That do is that. true. Oh, and looks like my Daughters of Cain, the new Daughters of Cain Codex is coming out. So, well, yeah, it looks like I'm buying that and the spells. <laughs> Just when you think you're out. Yeah, and they pull you back in. Yeah, the the dice. Okay, the, the Daughters of Cain dice are solid red with black pips and the Marathi logo on the six. I actually don't like the Slanesh dice look way better. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, Dennis, definitely, if nothing else, get those dice because those are awesome. See, I. I also still would like to get some gold and purple dice for for the underworlds, but yes, no. I, I brought up the page now. I see the dice. These are very nice dice. So yeah, I'll look into it. Yep. All right. Well, that wraps up our episode. But so we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, but until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host Rob, Kevin, Dennis, and Richard. Good night. Good gaming. And remember, don't tell anyone your shameful secret. TM.
Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.